The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Stardom Cast. This is Jesse from Club Venus from Stardom, and you're watching Stardom Cats. Welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring Stardom. I'm your host, Rob Gooden. I'm joined as ever by Mr. Matt Turner. And Matt Turner, we are a little bit late recording, but that's fine because it's not like anything at all has happened this week. No, uh, this was obviously a huge, huge uh, few days for us over here at the Stardom Cast. And in case you're anybody's been living underneath a rock... Obviously, Rob, what I'm referring to is this past Saturday at the church of Valentine's Day dance, <laughs> I won not one, but two raffle baskets. So obviously, that's the big news. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, Matt Turner OF on the Instagram and the Twitter. Mwah, good night. Yeah, I told I, I told Rob, I, obviously, we know what we're getting into. This is a very, very heavy episode with a lot going on. Obviously, we're going to end it on a super positive note with that fantastic uh, pay-per-view Supreme fight from this past weekend. But I told Rob, I said, you know, I got to do a little joke to uh, to kind of ease things, ease things in. So there it is, my man. But that is true. I we actually won two raffle baskets at the church dance, considering the fact that we've never won before and we won two. So that was a uh, that was a plus, my man. I'll be perfectly honest, Matt. I have won one raffle in my entire life. Um, it was at my ex-girlfriend's um, uh, sort of orchestra recital, which it is a mixture of two things I hate, orchestra and my ex-girlfriend. Um, so that was great. Oh, for two. <laughs> exactly, exactly. What a night that was. Four hours. Four hours of classic music that was. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so I won the raffle. And uh, they'd given away some fantastic prizes. And I was like, oh, my God. I finally won a raffle. Matt Turner, I won a meat defrosting tray. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know Do you know what a meat defrosting tray is? It's a metal tray. It is a metal tray. And that was what I won. I have never been so disappointed by a raffle prize. Partly because I've never won one. But, you know um uh, it was it was a disappointing day but congratulations um i know you were formally invited by your wife uh to the dance which of course as you as you should be you should be treated treated like the princess that you are um but did you have a good time man 
Yeah, we did. Obviously, I had to. Amber got there like three hours early. She set up that Friday before. She was there for a few hours setting up. I think she got there about three hours before I did. And to be honest with you, I was only there maybe about two and a half, three hours. Because I was like, yeah, guess what idiot's got to get up at quarter after two to cover a stardom show, go to church, drive an hour to work, work 10 hours on my feet, go see my parents and my grandfather, and then drive an hour back home. This guy right here. And then within two hours of sleep, my phone was going off like crazy because of the obvious news that we had. But no, it's always a good time um, anytime that I get to do really anything with my wife. Obviously, she's just so busy with all the stuff that she does. And I'm so busy with everything going on that I do that it's really nice when we can kind of have that time. We can do something like that. So there really was next to no dancing with me and her because even though she's there, she's in the middle of doing 9,000 things. And I'm kind of just sitting on the sidelines. And it is BYOB, so I'm not going to lie, Rob. I did sneak a little bit of a uh, some rumming. So uh, so that was, you know, took the edge off, you know. And uh, <laughs> But no, all in all, all in all good times, my man. But before we jump into... All the craziness that's going on in the world of stardom. How was uh, how was your weekend, and how's things over there in the land of Ozzy Osbourne? It's all going all right. It's all going okay. We are just about to get an absolute deluge of snow, apparently. So uh, I might be off work tomorrow. That's that's always nice. That's one thing I have missed about working in education: the uh, the snow days, because Britain can't deal with snow, um, which I know that Americans and Canadians laugh at. And rightly so, because it is uh, it is pathetic. Um, but I've got a huge football match on Sunday um, because our team is currently rock bottom of the league, having won one game. Um, I like to think that that's not my fault, um, but you know anyone that's seen me play will know that that is not the case. Um, but yeah, other than that, things are going well. Obviously, Valentine's Day next week, so we'll be planning lots of stuff there. Um, a fantastic stardom show over the weekend, which, you know, it could have been the greatest wrestling show ever, and I feel like it would have been overshadowed by the news that came out. Um, and unfortunately, that's going to be somewhat the case here. We are obviously the stardom cast. We're going to try and put a positive spin on everything. Um, but there is, you know, a hell of a lot of news to get through just from that one story uh, that broke on uh, on the 5th of February, Monday. So before we delve into all that, before we get into um, the Rossi stuff, I just wanted to make mention. Um, unfortunately, Act Res Girls, Joshi Wrestler, Asahi, um, passed away on the 5th, or it was at least announced on the 5th of February that she died in a car crash um, at the age of 21, uh, which, of course, is absolutely no age. I unfortunately do not know a lot about Asahi. I don't know a lot about actress girls in general. Um, but to lose someone at that age is just absolutely horrendous. So I wanted to do that at the top of the episode because it is incredibly it's heartbreaking um you look at the tributes that have come in on social media and not one person has got a bad thing to say about her she had the world at her feet and uh, obviously this is a huge loss so our thoughts our prayers are obviously with asahi's friends and family uh in what is undoubtedly a uh, a horrible horrible time matt yeah, I did see that news come across uh, early in the week, and it's just you know sad. At 21 years old, you know, just a pop, and I don't I don't know too much you know about her. Um, again, to kind of echo your sentiments, partner, that it, the you know all the tributes have been coming in. It's nothing but purely positive, which is you'd like to see that, but it's never you know a car accident. Uh, you know, from what I understand, at any age, 
especially 21, uh, especially for a company like Actress Girls, that's really been the last seven, eight months have really done a great job building up the company. And she was kind of on the front line of that. So, yeah, sad to see. Um, it's always, you know, heartbreaking. And, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers to your friends and family, you know, uh, God bless. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so let's get into the big stardom news of this week. We're not going to mess around. We're, we're delving straight into this. So obviously we are coming off the back of the pay-per-view stardom Supreme fight 2024. Um, uh, the nuts and bolts of this story, I am going to rely on a lot of the reports. Um, there's going to be very little speculation, at least to begin with, uh, in what we're reporting. I'm literally going to go through it bit by bit by bit because obviously as the days have worn on, little bits of information have been leaked out and things like that. There have been interviews with different people. Um, but I'm going to try and keep this as manageable for you guys as, as humanly possible. So immediately after the uh, the pay-per-view, um, uh, there was a report or an announcement from Bushi Road um, that they had let Rossi Ogawa go uh, with immediate effect. Now, for those who don't know, Rossi Ogawa is one of the founders of Stardom alongside uh, Fukakakimoto and Nanai Takahashi. Um, he sold Stardom to Bushi Road in 2019. Um, one of the, and this is really, really important for later on, one of the key points of that deal with Bushi Road was that Rossi was allowed autonomy over booking. Um, and that was for five years. He was due to sign another five-year contract extension. Um, obviously, it was relative public knowledge that Rossi was not happy with how things were going in stardom, especially with the reports um late in 2023 that his booking decisions had been overruled um especially by the departing manager of bushi road fight um before mr okada came in that apparently has continued but by that point apparently rossi was already on the out what i'll do is i will read the announcement from bushi road um, and then I will go to uh, Dave Meltzer, who has got a little bit of background knowledge as to what happened on the 4th of February. So this is from Bushi Road. It is a translation, so I will try and make it as um, cohesive as, as possible. Regarding the cancellation of the contract of Mr. Rossi Ogawa, dear fans, thank you very much for always supporting Stardom. Um, Bushi Road Fight is at business outs um so a business outsourcing agreement with rossi ogawa um this has been cancelled as of february the 4th 2024 um since 2019 we have signed the agreement with mr rossi ogawa the founder of stardom and we have welcomed him as an executive producer and entrusted the work related to stardom However, I would like to report that I was aware that there was an act of pulling out a large number of stardom players and staff. 
and therefore we have cancelled his contract. This is um, the reports that Rossi has been poaching stardom talent for something that we're going to talk a little bit about in a moment. Uh, we sincerely apologise for the inconvenience caused by everyone. As a company, we will continue to work together as players and staff to further develop stardom and deliver excitement to fans. So we hope that you'll be able to continue to support us as before. And that was uh, Bushy Road's statement uh, on the February uh, February 5th, 2024. Now, Matt, just before I throw to you, um, I'm just going to go to the Wrestling Observer who have released a subscriber exclusive behind the scenes of Bushy Road firing. Um, in regards to Rossi. And I'm going to read that here and then we'll do a little bit of discussion um, before we move on to what is next and things like that. Um, Stardom founder and bookie Rossi Ogawa was fired today by Bushi Road after being accused of attempting to poach talent to leave the promotion. Uh, this story dates back about nine months when Bushi Road executives started overruling Ogawa to the dismay of both himself and talent and some of the more outlandish booking decisions. Matt, we talked about this a little bit, didn't we? Obviously, with the Stardom and Showcase shows, that god-awful Halloween show. And I think this peaked when wrestlers actually started coming out and talking about how bad the communication was between Bushi Road and Stardom. Um, and I know that, I believe it was Katsuhiko Harada, who was the previous president. I know that he was the source of a lot of this, but by the sounds of it, this has been a long time coming somewhat. Yeah. Um, excuse me. Yeah, we, uh, we've been lucky. We, we get a lot of inf information from the fine folks over at Stardom. A lot of the information that Dave Meltzer has been reporting over the last two or three days is all true. Uh, we we have actually a little bit more information than Meltzer. Um, I don't, that, Rob. That might be a new shirt. More than Meltzer. There it is. Wow, we we know we more than Meltzer. There it is. I think what you should do is you should superimpose our faces on the two dudes with attitude, Diesel and uh, Shawn Michaels, and that should be uh, that should be the new shirt. Regardless, um, yeah, we talked about this quite a bit, especially getting towards the fall and uh, the holiday months of last year that there was a lot of decisions that Rossi was, he would make and that he would be overruled. From what I understand is this was really started brewing probably in the middle of the summer where Rossi would make a decision. This is what he wants to do. And it would just get overruled. And I guess it was happening a little bit really from, you know, 2020 up until, you know, right in towards the middle of the summer of last year. And I think that he just kind of just, you know, maybe just said, I, I had enough. Like I, I I've had enough. And we've seen Julia come out and be outspoken about this. We've seen some of the other wrestlers come out and be outspoken about this. The one thing I didn't know until you read it, partner, was that when um, Rossi sold the company to Bushi Road back in 2019, I didn't know that he uh, that it was in his contract that he had final say over everything. And that might be something that if this goes to court, we can say, like, look, I didn't have final say. Maybe in 2020 I did. In 2021, 2022 I did. But come 2023, they were overruling a lot of my decisions. And I have so many different bystanders that they can go by. I mean, I don't know if it's going to get like that. But, uh, yeah, you can kind of tell just a lot of stuff that was going on in stardom that a lot of the talent, and especially Rossi, have had enough. And I know that me and you were kind of speculating going into uh, after Dream Queendom in these first few shows in 2024 that maybe things were smooth over literally to the point where when they took that picture at the end of supreme fight this past weekend i was like i think things are smooth over i understand you know we've gotten word that this is there's going to be this huge breakup 
uh, maybe they smoothed it over. Maybe, you know, they were, you know, Rasta said, hey, here's, you know, here's what's going on. I'm upset with this. A lot of the other talent is upset. If we don't fix this, you know, we are going to, there's going to be uh, an exodus. And maybe Bushiroad was like, we don't want that. What can we do to fix it? That's what it kind of looked like when they took that picture. And again, the, how great the shows have been for the past, you know, seven, eight, nine weeks. And we talk about all the time that they're not rushed. They're building towards things like this is Rossi Ogawa, you know, one on one on one booking. And then uh, to find out that, uh, you know, uh, that was the furthest from the truth, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the picture is the one that we've used for the thumbnail. And uh, it certainly hits a little bit differently when you know what had either just happened or was about to happen. Um, The report continues, Ogawa constantly being overruled on booking and business decisions made by Bushi Road Fight President Katsuhiko Harada led to his decision to leave the company. So this is not a recent thing. Rossi has been on the outs with stardom for a long time. Um, Harada was later replaced by Taro Okada in that position back in November. However, this continued under Okada and Ogawa had already made plans to leave. And then this this is important, Matt, bearing in mind what you've just been talking about. He had been under the impression that he would have autonomy on booking and business when he sold stardom to Bushi Road in 2019, uh, which also included a five-year non-compete. Now, that five-year non-compete would expire this year. Um, even though Davis put he sold it to Bushy Road in 2009. Um, so uh, the way he's worded it there, Matt, I don't know if it was a part of his contract or whether this is something Rossi assumed um, that he would have autonomy on booking. Um, however, all you've got to do is look at the start of 2024 and 2023 and compare them and you realise, you know, Rossi has pretty much been given free reign in 2024 is our understanding and the amount of support i've seen on social media that have said stardom is so back this company has turned around blah 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 blah. all positive about the booking go should speak of you know speaking spades about how good a booker rossi is um and how bizarre some of the decisions were in 2023 i'll just finish this paragraph and then we'll talk a little bit more matt It was known that the affiliation between the two sides was going to end on the 18th of February, as Ogawa had given his notice some time back. Um, Now, as you said, Matt, my understanding originally was that Ogawa was going to see out March as well, um, because a lot of contracts, um, as we're going to be talking about, end in March. So we were under the impression that Ogawa was going to stick around, was going to book until March, um, that was then brought forward to the 18th of February. Um, uh, at, f- at first, today's show was to be his final show, but then the sides agreed to sever ties on the 18th of February. However, Bushy Road decided to get ahead of the story two weeks early and made the announcement publicly that he was fired after the talent were told in a meeting following today's show in Osaka. Now, from what we can glean from reports, um, reactions and things like that, the talent were completely unaware that this was going to happen. Um, as in Rossi be, them being told that Rossi was fired. Um, it came as a complete bolt out of the blue. And there's a really bit interesting bit here, Matt, that I want to talk to you a little bit about. Road decided to get ahead of the story. Now, it's no secret that Road currently no matter what they put out, are going to be seen as public enemy number one. 
their image at the moment when you consider that they are just about to lose Kazuchika Okada from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, uh, all of the stuff with stardom, you know, talent exodus is stuff like that, you know, nonsensical booking decisions. It makes sense that Bushi Road would want to get out and control that narrative, at least initially, anyway, wouldn't it? Yeah, from my understanding is, uh, as you just read, partner, is that Rossi was supposed to exit sometime in February. Uh, Bushiro came up to Rossi and said, can you finish at the end of March? From my understanding and from our understanding is they basically just wanted Rossi to book to the end of March to get them so this way they can get them to April. April is a big month for stardom. They have the, the coming over to the, uh, the States on the 4th, and then at the end of uh, April, they have the big show in uh, Yokohama, uh, All-Star Grand Queendom. So they kind of wanted Rossi's, pretty much Rossi to set them up all the way to there and then, you know, do all the booking, set everything up, and then the new regime would take over in the month of April and they have those two big shows plus everything else in between to kind of see where they're going to go. I understand this, and this is just my speculation. I understand where Bushi Road is coming from uh, firing Rossi at this point because they knew he was going to leave. They thought he was going to retire or, or do whatever. But then they got wind, again, this is just my speculation, they got wind that he was starting his own promotion, and they know that everybody, with the exception of Mayu, which I'm sure you'll get into, my friend, that their contract's coming up in March, and a lot of people are loyal to Rossi, not only the wrestlers, but the staff as well, and rightfully so. He's done so much, I mean, literally, the founder of that company, he's done so much for all those girls on the roster, even even the talent behind the scenes and in front of the scenes, they all, everybody that we talk to, they all love Rossi. Rossi very much wants to know what's going on with the show. How's everybody doing? He's a very good boss. He's a very good people person. And that's what you need from somebody in a, a, a position of power like that, somebody that you can trust. Again, not only from a talent aspect, but from a production stand, uh, aspect as well. Yeah. So I'm assuming yeah, – yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. I, I just want to make this point. So I'm assuming they knew that he would – they probably got wind from somebody. He was going to start his own promotion. So now if you're looking at this, now we'll get into it. It's probably one of the last things we're going to talk about in about four hours when the mm-hmm. show ends, um, that we, we know that the big, the next big red belt match coming up is Micah versus Tam. So if you know that Rossi's starting a promotion and you're like, well, we want him to stay until March, but all these contracts are, 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 are expiring. And he's in a meeting, like in a room, talking to Mike and Tam and you work for Bushi Road and you walk past that room and Rossi's like, oh, no, no, no. We're just talking about how we're going to build towards the title match at the first night of the Cinderella tour. I'm just using that for example. In the back of your mind, you're like, we know he's starting a promotion. We know these contracts are expiring. What if he's trying to say, hey, Tam, Mike, I'm starting a new promotion. Why don't you come? What if he's, what if they're doing that? So, and again, this is a speculation. It's nothing that I was told. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why they decide we need to get Rossi out now because he's going to be around all this talent that they all love, that they all love him. They all trust. And he trusts them from a talent standpoint as well to have awesome matches, to promote the company, to put butts in seats, to sell pay-per-views, to sell YouTube subscriptions, to sell stardom world subscriptions that we need to get him out because he literally, again, from the first thing that you read and for the first thing that was, that was announced was that he was poaching talent. A lot of people thought it was going to the WWE. Again, a lot of people just jumped the gun. And it's one of the many reasons. And again, we were asked on Sunday night, Monday morning, will you guys do an emergency podcast? And I told Rob, I said, let's, let's take a couple days to get our thoughts. 
Let's record in the normal time and we get the fact stri- uh, the fact straight. Clearly, him going to WWE was debunked. Will he be working with the WWE in the future? You know, we'll get to that later. But I think that's the reason why they had to pull the trigger as fast as they did. So this way, Rossi wasn't there another five, six, seven weeks trying to convince the talent to jump over to his company. Yeah, absolutely. It's a breeding ground of paranoia. Um, and, you know, that doesn't make for a pleasant working environment by any stretch of the imagination. And we're going to talk a lot about Rossi's relationship with the roster. And the way I sort of see it is when a school, and I know this is a really weird comparison, but when a school is a village school and the head teacher knows every single child, knows what's going on in their lives, knows, you know, what makes them tick, what upsets them, how to deal with them. It's a far better and more inclusive place to work than when you become, and I don't know if this will translate to our American listeners, but when it when it becomes an academy and you are taken over by a business because then the school is suddenly run like a business and suddenly a lot of that warmth, a lot of that individuality, a lot of that is gone. And I wonder with Rossi gone, and again, this is all speculation. I wonder if with Rossi gone, there is it's going to be far more streamlined as a business. And I do wonder how much of that relationship and, you know, we know that there was an issue with communication from Bushy Road to the wrestlers. With Rossi now gone, I do, that's a massive concern for me, where that communication is going to come from. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. I'm just going to carry on with this. Um, A lot of the talent, and again, this is from The Observer, a lot of the talent is loyal to Ogawa, who founded the company and gave most of these women their career breaks. Expect several departures from the group in March when most of the contracts expire. The only wrestler under a longer-term commitment to stardom is ironically IWGP champion Mayu Iwatani because of the movie on her life coming out. And I say ironically because Dave has used um, the phrase here, gave most of these women their career breaks. I think Mayu Iwatani is the very epitome of that. And I think when you are thinking of people who are loyal to Rossi Ogawa, Mayu Iwatani would be at least 1A or 1B on that list. Um, so the fact... I imagine, and we're going to be talking about the impact on the wrestlers because that is who this impacts the most. Um, You know, you think about Mayu, who is, you know, she might want to stay, she might want to go. We don't know anything we would say would be speculation on that. But you think about someone like Mayu who owes her career to Rossi, owes the trajectory of her life to Rossi. Um, Does she then go? Or does she stay? And also, she's going to be watching all this, and she is unable to leave if that's what she wants. Again, we don't know if Mayu is going to be one of the ones that will leave. Um, at the moment, there is only one wrestler that we that we know for sure really is going to be joining Rossi at this time. And again, we're going to be talking about that in a moment. I'll just finish these last couple of bits. Um, again, from the Observer, Bushi Road had known about talent leaving and some were, giving, some were given legal threats in recent weeks. Um, those who are leaving wouldn't be doing so until their contracts expire. This is part of the story of why Julia will not be wrestling in Chicago, which we reported last week, and had said she was taking time off in March when a contract expires. Uh, Ogawa is not 
going to the WWE. Um, I know that Sean Ross Sapp reported initially that he thought Ogawa might be going to the WWE. Um, that's now been debunked, and Sean has actually come out and said, yeah, that's, that wasn't true, um, which is great. Um, and then the final paragraph, Okada and Bushi Road fight merchandise manager Oyama will take over as the bookers for stardom effective immediately. The first two cards of the post-Rossi era have actually been released today, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. The two don't have any background as bookers, although Okada was part of a pro wrestling club while in college that stayed that staged, sorry, matches. Um, so, a couple of things to take from this. Um, obviously, wrestlers were given legal threats um, in regards to being poached. However... I imagine that that is only going to be the case up until March because if they let their contract run out and refuse to sign an extension, Bushy Road can literally do nothing. Um, as long as they work up until the end of their contract, Bushy Road can't do anything about that. Julia was already leaving. We reported last week that she was initially scheduled to um, take part at Windy City Riot, which is uh, the New Japan show in Chicago, I believe April 12th. And Julia basically pulled out saying she wasn't doing it. She was going to take time off at the end of March. It appears, and again, this is speculation, it appears that she is going to do a little bit of work with Rossi prior to leaving for the WWE. And this was later sort of um, embellished on by Dave um, on Wrestling Observer Radio, which we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, uh, so, Matt, a couple of things I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the impact on talent. You know, I use the example of Mayu Iwatani, but there is a whole roster of people you've already touched on it. And also the fact that the booking responsibilities are now falling on Bushi Road Fight President Okada and the merchandise manager Oyama, who up to this point have no experience as bookers. Now, I understand, obviously, you know, everyone has got to start somewhere. So, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, crapping all over them. Ultimately, everyone starts somewhere and, you know, everyone loves this company. You know, we watch this company because we love this company. We ultimately want it to succeed. So I wish them every luck in the world. Um, I hope it goes well. Um, especially as Rossi has laid some good foundations going into 2024. Um, but what is your thought on all of this, Matt Turner? You go from one of, if not the greatest, Joshi bookers of all time to two uh, two gentlemen who have never booked wrestling before. So, like that's out, and, and we've gotten a lot of questions on our uh, Twitter and in emails and whatnot. We're going to try to comb through all of them. Um, hopefully, a lot of these get answered just in what we're going to be talking about. So that was one of the questions is what, you know, how do you feel about that? Rob, you hit it right on that. You have to start somewhere. And considering the fact that all this groundwork literally from this week, uh, this past weekend shows, and then going into this weekend shows, you already have a loaded roster. You have stories that are going to tell themselves again. It looks like Micah and Tam is our next big, uh, our big red belt match. You're going into the Cinderella tournament as well. Hopefully they have a better idea uh, within the next, four, five, six weeks of who's staying and who's going. So this way they know how to book not only the Cinderella show, but the show in Philadelphia and as well as all-star, uh, you know, grand queendom as well coming up. I mean, it's, you know, two months away. It's crazy how much time flies. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. You got to give a lot of credit to Julia. Julia can literally have booked a flight on April 1st to America. 
to start her work in the WWE and make a ton of money, but she decided that she is loyal to Rossi, and you have to respect that. She's loyal to Rossi, whether she's going to be there for a month or six months. You know, we don't know. I know that it was originally speculated not that long ago that she's probably pop up in the WWE sometime at the end of uh, summer, beginning of fall. This could be a case where it's just like, you know what? I'm making good money. I'm having fun. I can go to the WWE just about any time I want. Maybe I'll stick it out to the end of the year. You know, maybe I should make a phone call in you know July and say, hey, can I come in January? Because th- this is what I'm doing. I'm trying to help this company out. Um, and there's a good possibility that they'll say yes. You know, when, you know, you're building up your name. You're literally taking a company that's starting up and you're helping building it up, which in return only builds Julia's name up even more to whenever she decides to pull the trigger to go to the WWE. About something else, and this is clearly speculation, something I kind of want to throw at you, my friend, and something I kind of just want to put out there to uh, the friends and family over at the Stardom Cast universe is at the last Sorry show, she did make mention that she wants to wrestle Mayu and Julia. Now, Sorry is a freelancer. Um, Julia is about to be a, a freelancer coming up soon. It would not surprise me on the main event of the folks. We're going. We, we and Rob, we had a we had a giggle on this. We're going to call this company for now. I know from what we understand, it already has a name. It already has a logo that we that we weren't allowed to get that information, which is fine. We we are not stooges. We weren't. We were going to go that far with it. We're going to call this RVW Rossi Vice Wrestling, just for <laughs> just for now. Kind of, you know, we're getting a little laugh out of it. You know, it's it, it, it's a tough situation. I don't know everybody's upset. I think that a lot of us wish they would have come to some sort of agreement, and Rossi would have been able to run the company the way that he had. You know, for since since the inception, uh, the inception. So we're we're gonna call it Rossi Vice Wrestling, just a kind of little bit giggle. Um, I would not be shocked if the main event of the very first Rossi Vice Wrestling show is Sari versus Julia, because you need to make an impact on that first show with your first main event. And boy, what a dream match that would be, my friend. Absolutely, absolutely. And just to sort of elaborate on that a little further, it was announced. Um, that Julia had given a word, as Matt said, to Rossi that she's going to help out with this new company. So we can pretty much guarantee that Julia will be leaving stardom in March, um, which is a horrible thing to say out loud, but that's sort of the case. So obviously Bushi Road announced their um, sort of their side of the story. Rossi then came out with his side of the story where... He basically felt like he was being gently pushed out, basically. His booking decisions were being overruled. You know, the stuff that we sort of know from the Observer report. He also announced that he will be starting his own promotion and said he wants to do the things he wasn't allowed to do in Bushi Road slash stardom, which presumably means that Fuki and Death is going to be their first champion, and rightly so. Um <laughs> But that's sort of where we were at that point. Bushi Road had fired Rossi Ogawa. Um, uh, some of the wrestlers, obviously, Mayu would put a tweet out that was really heartbreaking because she said, I kept typing stuff out and deleting it, typing it and deleting it, but I can't think of anything to say. Um, you've got quite a few people who had been um, sort of retweeting and reposting that photo from the end of Stardom Supreme Fight as, you know, almost like a series closer on Rossi's time in Stardom. Um, it, it really was, it really was quite heartbreaking. Um, uh, however, 
there have been a couple more sort of updates in regard to this company and I want to talk a little bit about Pushy Roadmap because obviously you talked about, you know, Tam and Micah um, uh, being the next big Red Belt match. Spoiler to anyone that hasn't seen the pay-per-view. But also you've got a huge tournament to book in March. Like, you know, you have got to be doubly, doubly sure who is staying and who is leaving before you book the Cinderella tournament. Because if you book the Cinderella tournament and the winner then turns around and leaves a week, two weeks later for Rossi's company, then suddenly you have a problem. And again, um, President Okada actually did a report or did an interview with um, Tokyo Sports to sort of get his point across. Um, He actually acknowledged that he's already received several inquiries and that multiple wrestlers will be leaving stardom in the coming months or are currently thinking about it. So there is going to be an exodus of people leaving, which is a little bit, a little bit scary. Um, Okada also had a little bit else to say uh, during that interview. He said he'd heard about Rossi trying to poach people back in December and Rossi was asked to stop. Um, uh, Rossi then expressed his intention to resign for the first time. Um, It was decided on the show on January the 21st that um, Ogawa would be leaving in March. Apparently, Ogawa tried to continue poaching, so the company made the decision to fire him. Um, uh, many of the wrestlers Ogawa was trying to poach are champions and popular wrestlers. Um, and then, obviously, the Okada is going to be taking over Rossi's role. So we are in a time of great unknown because we don't know who the wrestlers are that are going to stay or are going to go with Rossi to this new promotion. There's also two sides to every story. You've got the Bushy Road side, where basically Rossi is trying to steal from stardom and take away all these people. And you've got Rossi's side, who is saying that, you know, slowly but surely Bushy Road were closing him out of his own company. So there's two very different sides. And will we ever know the real story? Probably not, because it's all a case of he said, they said. However, it's it's such a weird situation. It is. Like, it I, is. I, I, <laughs> because there are people that you think might leave. Like, Mayu is obviously the big one. But with contracts being in place, that that can't be the case. And then someone like Micah, who is your current Red Belt champion, she's come out and done a Tokyo Sports interview. Um, and she said she's both frustrated with Rossi and the company. Um, I mean, for a start, her title win didn't air live on the pay-per-view because the pay-per-view link crashed. And then, you know, the fact that she's had this great match with Saika Matani and it's completely lost all manner of focus in the... Um, the aftermath of everything with Rossi. Um, This was also, again, this is courtesy of Sky Wrestling, who's done some fantastic work in uh, keeping everything um, updated on Twitter. But it does look like Micah is going to be one of those people who stays. Um, There hasn't been a great deal of sort of news either way of what wrestlers are going to be leaving or are going to be staying. Obviously, if 
wrestles have been threatened with legal action from Bushi Road. We're probably not going to know anything until far closer to the time, the end of um, March. One thing I will say before we discuss any further is that whether the wrestlers choose to go or choose to say, because I've seen people on social media who have both underestimated loyalty and money, okay? There are people in this company who worship the very ground that Rossi Ogawa walks on and will follow him to the ends of the earth, okay? And those people will go with Rossi. However, you've got to put yourself in their shoes. Yes, you love Rossi, you appreciate what he's done for the company, but ultimately... Unless Rossi has got backers that we don't know about, Bushi Road can offer them more money. And in that situation, there are going to be wrestlers who are going to take the money for their family. And, you know, you can't begrudge them that. You cannot begrudge them that. So what I'm saying is, and I'm sure people won't do this, but whether they choose to go to Rossi's new company or whether they choose to stay in stardom, it's not the talent's fault. The talent have been put in this situation. And as me and Matt are 100% going to do, we are still going to support both companies. Irrelevant of yes. whether it's Rossi or Stardom, we're still going to support all of those fantastic Joshi talents in either company because they deserve it. They absolutely deserve it. Um, uh, but Matt, um, what are your thoughts on what I've just said as we... Uh, <laughs> As we continue to speculate. <laughs> and this is probably going to be an ongoing news segment, probably from now until probably the next two or three years, to be honest with you, folks. But to piggyback on what you just said, I've had a lot of people ask me, what do you, once the split happens, what are you, what are you guys going to do? Like Rob and I have already had this discussion. Again, we kind of knew a little bit ahead of time that this was going to happen. And we were both kind of like, we don't believe it. Like we don't, but there's no way. It's like one of those things that just, you just don't want to believe. You just don't want to believe. And then when it happened, I'm like, okay, we need to really start figuring out what we're going to do. Uh, Rob and I had this conversation a few weeks ago that we are going to be supporting both companies. The, uh, the Rossi Vice Wrestling, I'm sorry, it's awesome. <laughs> I know we're just going to do Rossi Vice Wrestling, from what we understand, is not starting for another few months. Um, again, we were kind of get thrown dates at us. We're, there's some speculation that we have heard about that we are, we, we're just not going to put on the podcast between the roster and the dates. Before we understand, Rossi's company is not going to be starting for another few months. So obviously this is going to be strictly stardom until then. But we are going to cover both stardom and both the new company. And we've gotten the blessing that, hey, that that's okay. We're not under contract to anybody. This is, you know, this this is kind of our thing. So we're going to cover both uh, both companies. Now, in a year, you know, a year and a half from now, if Rossi's company is doing a, a, a bunch of shows, we might split the two podcasts up. We don't know. But for right now, yes, we were going to be supporting both companies because like Rob said perfectly, is we want to support all the fantastic talent. Now, uh, in regards to what you just said, my friend, I had a great conversation uh, the past few days with our uh, buddy Tom over at uh, Monthly Pre-Roll Wrestling, who uh, bet on himself. You know I love when people bet on himself and uh, a few months ago moved himself over to Japan so he can cover as much stuff as possible. And he did make mention what you just said, that Rossi does have some financial backers, but it's nothing like what Stardom and Bushi Road has. He thinks regardless, uh, the average uh, wrestling Stardom fan they don't know who the booker is with Rossi, even though he does the belt presentation and the fact that we'll never see that again, um, you know, in a stardom ring is kind of heartbreaking. But they, the, the stardom brand has been so big since Bushi Road took it over because what they've been able to do on a bigger stream that people will just go to see just 
Stardom because that's the name Stardom. People are going to see the company Stardom because of how big the company's gotten in the past few years. So they don't think Stardom is really going to have any problem drawing. Uh, will they be able to draw as well as they did the past couple of years? Probably not because you might not have. Again, we know Julia's not going. We know Julia is going to the new company. I'm just saying, for example, say uh, say that Tam decides to go and Mayu and Utami. Again, I'm this is just speculation. I don't want to. Matt Turner said that Tam Nakano is joining Rossi's new company. No, 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 no. I'm not. I am not. But it, it may hurt them a little bit. The one thing that he made mention, and I didn't know this, that there's no Joshi wrestling company that has an exact TV deal in in play. I'm like, I didn't know that. I thought Stardom had a TV deal. And Rossi has built up so much equity. And what's he been booking, 35, 40 years, Rob? Something like that? Something he like has that. Made, he's made so many connections. And so many people absolutely love him. So I think the one thing that he needs to do is try to get TV as soon as possible if he doesn't have anything in the works. Now, um, the one inside track that Bushi Road slash Stardom has over Rossi Vice Wrestling, still awesome to say, is that they now have Rossi cannot communicate with any of these wrestlers legally. Now, we already know Julia's already, you know, it's pretty much in the bag that she's going. But now he cannot communicate with any of these wrestlers and they can't communicate with him until the end of March. So that gives Bushi Road almost two months to sit down with each and every talent and basically be like, okay, what do you want? And what I like, Rob, is the fact that the talent have a lot of power now. Say, for example, Mina Shirakawa is making 100 grand a year. I don't know if she's making that. Again, speculation. And they come up to Mina, and obviously they want to sign Mina. Mina is a big star. She's great for the company, any company. And Mina's like, I want 150 grand. I want an extra 50 grand a year. And, and instead of 10% on my merchandise, I want 20. And if they say, no, we can't do that. But like, no problem. You know where I'll be come the spring. Like now they have that power. Bushi Road does have that money. But from we don't understand from we understand the past couple of years, they don't want to spend it. We can see it. The fact that they don't live stream their shows, the fact they have one guy working on Stardom World that's basically editing shows in a bus that doesn't have Wi-Fi. The fact that uh, sometimes from time to time the pay-per-views would go out. Like you clearly, we saw it on the new blood shows. You clearly can stream live. Why aren't we doing some of these Corican lives or something like that or pulling your price point down on some of these pay-per-views? Like, they clearly have that technology. They just don't want to spend the money. Now, again, again we're going to put as much positive spin on this as, you can, as we can. And another reason why we waited until three days to record is because we can kind of gather our thoughts together. There's actually a lot of positive that's going to come out of this. Bushi Road is going to have to put more money into Stardom, as well as they should, because this company has been a very – Stardom has been a very profitable wrestling company for Bushi Road the last couple of years, and they really haven't done anything with it. Like, you literally can put more money in the production. Now they have to. Now they have to because now they're going to have Rossi's group, along with some of the starting talent, breathing down their neck to be better. Very much, and I, I know, partner, you're in the midst of writing books on the Monday Night Wars. This was in the height of my fandom as a wrestling fan in high school where WCW and WWF pushed each other to be better. And I think that's the one big positive we're going to get out of this is they're going to push each other to be better. And at the end of the day, Rob, who's the one that benefits the most? The fans. The fans. And I will say this again. I've had a lot of people that say, which side are you going with? Are you going with Rossi's side? Or are you going with Stardom's side? You know what side I'm picking? And I'm sure you're going to agree with me, partner. I choose the side of wrestling. Because I, if, why, why can't I support both companies? Why can't I support Rossi's new group? Why can't I support Stardom's group as well? Why do I have to choose between AEW and WWE? 
That never made any sense to me. I can support both because you know what I'm supporting? I'm supporting wrestling. I'm supporting women's wrestling and I'm supporting Joshi wrestling, my friend. So uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, but like then the long term, what is the most positive thing to come out of this is they're going to have to push each other to be better. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, you know, Okada has already come out and said that more is going to be spent on um, things to do with stardom. So they need to start thinking about what they're going to do with that, whether that is live streaming, whether that is upping production, whether that is, you know, spending more money on talent, updating travel. Who all of knows? It. Do, all, do all of it. Do all of it. Why not? These these girls deserve it. Not only the girls, but again, the production people. Hmm. Everybody in stardom deserve it. And guess what? If they don't do it, guess what? Rossi's going to not wave the flag, he's going to wave his hat. See what I did? And be like, come on over. Come go. on over. There's, there's room for everybody in the Ogawa pool. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny you should mention, actually, because you said about how the company isn't starting for another couple of months. Um, it can't, because as the Eastern Lariat have put out in regard to Okada's interview with Tokyo Sport, um, regardless of whether or not he will start a new organization himself, he will not be able to do so while his contract with our company continues. So even though he's been let go, it does look like any movement from Ogawa yet in relation to this new company is considered a serious breach of contract. So we probably will hear lots of hearsay in regard to this company, but very little concrete until all of those legal ramifications are gone. Um, And I just want to make mention, um, we talked about how, you know, the talent are the ones to suffer because they're the ones that are going to be without Rossi. Yes, the booking power of Rossi and yes, the way he's been able to book have been huge positives for stardom. And yes, I imagine at least to begin with, whilst Mr. Okada and Ayuma, I think the merchandise manager's name is, whilst they get sort of acquainted with booking and everything, you know, all of the different facets that go along with booking, um, I do anticipate a little bit of a a little bit of a dip, but I have confidence that they will ride that dip. Um, but it's not just the booking that everyone's going to miss. And I did put this on on Twitter when it broke that Rossi had been sacked. You think about some of those girls, people like Mayu Iwatani, people like Saki Kashima, um, people like Momo Watanabe, people like Hazuki, who have been with the company for so long. Rossi has been that one constant, that one constant throughout everything, throughout the ghastly match, throughout retirements, throughout Hannah's death, throughout COVID, that one source of consistency, that one source of stability has always been Rossi Ogawa. And that is no longer there. So yes, as a fan base, it sucks that Rossi is not going to be able to book stardom anymore. And yes, it sucks that we're not going to be able to play Rossi Vice anymore. And yes, it sucks that we're not going to see the title ceremonies. What sucks more is the fact that his presence isn't going to be there for the roster. And especially initially, that is going to be really, really difficult for the girls to take because he has been there literally since the start. And I do wonder how much of that will play into people leaving. But again, all of that is um, 
is speculation. I do want to point out, you mentioned sort of the tribalism that exists inherently between WWE and AEW, which you're right, doesn't make any sense. It's wrestling, who cares? Um, but, you know, whoever you support, just like it. It doesn't need to become a, you know, us versus them thing. Although something that I did read, and I can't find any substantiating evidence for it, but something I did read was that Okada knew about the company and apparently gave his blessing to it initially um, and wanted to pitch a invasion angle in like two years. Should the company be uh, should the company be um, sort of up and up and going? Uh, apparently that was turned down, but I can't find any substantiation uh, for that. Speaking of AEW, um, oh. Go ahead. I was going to mention this. Go ahead, my man. <laughs> so, um, Tony Khan, who obviously is the billionaire owner of um, AEW and apparently has, despite owning AEW and forgetting to book a women's division and owning ROH and, you know, all those things, still has time to go onto Twitter just to rile everybody up for absolutely no reason. Um, basically, unleash a volley of petty tweets um, regarding Rossi Ogawa, cultaholic, um, courtesy, you know, by proxy wrestling observer newsletter, have put out why Tony Khan might be a little bit upset with Mr. Ogawa and might be happy to see the back of him. Uh, this is coming from Cultaholic, where it says, one of those, one of the things that was, there were times when Tony tried to get talent, but he couldn't because the days he was looking to get talent from stardom were days of stardom pay per view shows where talent had already been booked and advertised. If, again, the ultimate decision would not be Rossi anyway. It would be Harada, who was the guy who was the head of Bushy Road Sports. I know there was an attempt by Stardom. They wanted Chris Statlander on a big show, but it didn't work out. In that sense, it did work both ways, but I think it's pretty clear that Tony is happy that this happened. So what I'm gleaning from that is that Tony Khan blames Rossi for the fact that there can't be a working relationship between AEW and stardom however i've got to echo dave's sentiments because tony khan came out and gave this bizarre interview where he said he really 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 wanted to work with stardom for forbidden door despite the fact that he knew there was a stardom pay-per-view on that day and the fact that it it just couldn't happen if you are the owner of a company if you are the booker of a company if you have a pay-per-view the same day as another company why on earth would you release your own talent to go to that pay-per-view that makes no booking sense whatsoever. And as Dave reports, it's not Rossi's call now anyway. It's Harada or it's Bushi Road fights. So the petty tweets that Tony Khan has put out basically boils down to a spoiled boy not being able to get what he wants, which, you know, <laughs> applauding anyone for losing their job is really poor form, but to do it when you're the billionaire owner of a company is really, really, really petty. And you know what? I like AEW, but that's not cool. And I don't care who it is that does it. That's just not cool. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. I know that you wanted to say something about this as well, didn't you? Yeah, that was literally, um, as we were texting that the morning of after the news broke, that was the one thing you were very very fired up about and uh i was like have at it my man i i completely agree i think it was very petty but i you know to kind of move on i think that now with i can i don't know I, you know as as you said it would have been it would have been rossi's final decision but at the same time he did book the card so maybe he purposely booked that card full 
where so none of the talent could have uh, appeared at Forbidden Door. That I don't know. But I think the fact that Tony was literally one of the first people to tweet something out and tweet something out negative, I think just maybe he thinks that Rossi was the person that was blocking the quote-unquote Forbidden Door. So what I think is going to happen, looking at this in a more positive sense, I think you're going to see the new stardom having a working relationship with AEW. Obviously, AEW has a working relationship with New Japan, and New Japan is owned by the same company, or same company that owns stardom. So I would not be shocked if in the next few months you see some of the stardom talent going over to the States for AEW shows and vice versa. Some of the AEW talent going over for the stardom shows, especially the fact that that stardom is going to be losing five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten pieces of really good talent if you throw a Sky Blue in there or you throw a Chris Statlander in there or some of these other uh, free agents that are working as freelancers. That's only going to really help out the stardom brand. Uh, I also believe because there was a report that came out a few months ago that WWE was working, was wanted a working relationship with stardom. But what I understand, half true, half not true. Again, this is my speculation. I think that Rossi is going to be having a working relationship with the WWE. We saw around Christmas time that EO came back home to Japan and, um, you know, to celebrate with their friends and family for the holidays. And they were very apparent and made no mistake that they did not, that they wanted to tweet out pictures of EO and Rossi together. Again, that's just my speculation. So I think between the, the, the splitting of the rosters, I think you're going to see some influx with Rossi and WWE and starting with AEW. Again, that's just my speculation. Um, I have friends in both companies and I've not reached out to them. Um, I'm not even sure if they would go and tell me. So uh, again, Rob, that's kind of just my, uh, my speculation. Uh, speaking of speculation, Rob, I have another question here. You mentioned booking. Would you like to uh, answer a question on booking? <laughs> I can do my best. Um, we got a, uh, basically it's a kind of the same question that was kind of tweeted out and messaged to me is, if me, you, and Scotty Wrestling put our money together, <laughs> would we be interested in buying Stardom? Now, why give you a minute to think about that, my friend? Even if Stardom said, we will sell you this company for $1,000, I would say no. And here's the reason why. I love every aspect of wrestling. I love performing in the ring. I love breaking down promos. I love when independent wrestlers send me matches and I break down their matches of what I can do and do better. And I love it in two months, two months' time, they send me messages back and saying how their match improved by me breaking down stuff. I love doing this podcast. I love watching wrestling. Folks, I love talking about wrestling. But one thing I would never do for any amount of money would be own a wrestling company. I have friends of mine that own independent wrestling companies that are drawing between two and 300 people, and they drew shows every three to four weeks. I could not imagine owning something like Stardom, where you're doing two to three shows a week. I've seen my friends not sleep for two or three days, not eat for two or three days because they're worried about the show. There's no way possible I would want to own a wrestling company. Now, however, on the flip side of that, I did have a lot of people say, would you, Scotty Wrestling and Rob, if given the opportunity or the tag to, would you want to book stardom? Partner, I think we kind of do it every week here, don't we? <laughs> we give them ideas all the time. I mean, I love the idea of booking a wrestling company. It's always been, you know, a fascination of mine. Um, again, it would result in Fukin Death being a top champion, <laughs> um, which, you know, Probably not. I'm a denominator. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Probably not the uh, the thing they were going for, but you know, it would it would always be really cool to be given that opportunity. Obviously, it's never ever going to happen, but it would be cool. And hey, if you know the two people in Bushi Road who have got literally no experience of booking, then hell, why can't we? Um, 
I feel like we should probably move on from the Rossi stuff quite soon, simply because... There's one more thing. You finish what you need to finish. Tag me in. There's one more thing I want to say, and then we can move on to uh, the rest of this fantastic episode, sir. Yeah, I feel like we probably should move on simply because we're going to be going into the realm of speculation now. Um, The only thing I did just want to add is that people have come out in in support of um of Rossi. One of those people is um who's someone who I mentioned earlier, former stardom general manager Fuka Kakimoto, who uh, released her blog recently. Um basically she's been one of his closest confidants for you know the last well many years. Um and she says that Rossi's often seen as the bad guy because he doesn't deny anything because he always wants to protect the wrestlers and be their shield. Um, she notes that someone like that is one people want to follow, even if he's being seen as the bad guy once again. So, again, I mentioned at the start of this news segment, there is two sides to every story. Um, there are going to be people that, that believe Rossi. There are going to be people that believe Bushy Road. There are going to be people who don't know what to think. There are going to be people who hate stardom now because Rossi's gone. There's going to be people who still love stardom it doesn't particularly matter where you fall, um, and I'm just going to echo what I said earlier on in the segment. Ultimately, the talent are the ones that we support. You know, whether they are wrestling under Rossi Vice Wrestling, whether they're wrestling under Stardom, <laughs> um, I love it. they're still they're still the same wrestlers. So whether it's Kogama versus Momo Watanabe in the main event of of Rossi's first show. Again, speculation completely. Um, you know, I'd support that as much as I would support a stardom red belt match because ultimately, you know, all these women give 100% for whatever match they're in. So I, I am going to support both. I have no issues with Bushi Road personally. I have no issues with Rossi personally. Rossi, by all accounts, sounds like just the nicest person. So uh, but, you know, I've had no interaction with either of them, so I'm gonna support both of them, of course. Um I just wish that if this needed to happen, and I don't think it did, I don't think it needed to happen. You know, stardom has always been better when it has been booked by Rossi. That's that's just, you know, you've only got to look at the reaction to Stardom in Showcase and, you know, the goddamn Halloween show and, you know, 5,000 shows and, you know, wrestlers going down left, right and centre because they simply couldn't keep up with the sheer volume of shows. And then you look at how the company's turned around and, you know, since Dream Queendom. It's... Uh... <sighs> Yeah, I just wish that they there had been a a better way of doing things, you know, an actual ceremony where Rossi was honoured as, you know, the booker, the the owner, the the person who created stardom alongside Fuka and Nanai because he deserves that. He doesn't deserve to have, you know, a short, sharp announcement of the fact that he was fired for poaching talent it doesn't feel right it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like an appropriate closing chapter for Rossi at all um and it's just a shame 
that you know this has ultimately overshadowed what was a phenomenal pay-per-view um i thought like genuinely every single match was a banger and yet you know everyone is talking about rossi everyone is talking about bushi road everyone is talking about everything apart from stardom supreme fight which was a fantastic show so anyway matt what did you want to finish on um, I just had a lot of a uh, lot of our listeners who are going to the Philly show saying, should they sell their tickets? Are they going to cancel the show? Folks, relax. Stardom, regardless of what happens with the roster, Stardom is still going to have a great roster. Rossi's company is going to have a great roster. They will probably bring in some freelancers to kind of fill out the matches, very much like, a, you know, the Inaba sisters, you know, Sari probably on the Rossi side, Unagi, so on and so forth. Folks, the Philadelphia show is not going to be canceled. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm 99.9% sure. The building's been booked. The advertising's been up. They've pretty much sold out 95%, if not more, of the tickets. I'm assuming because the show is in two months, most of the flights have been booked and most of the hotel rooms have been booked. So don't sell your stardom tickets, folks. It, the show is going to happen. Not only is that show going to happen, Rob, I got to give a cheap plug. The Stardom Cast live podcast <laughs> will be happening at Jack's Bar. And for some reason, if something happens and the Stardom show doesn't happen, we are still doing the Stardom Cast live podcast at Jack's Bar and Grill, located one mile away from the 2300 slash ECW arena. So, folks, I'm again, I don't have this confirmed but I highly doubt they're going to cancel the show. And that's all I wanted to say. Everybody thinks that stardom is going to go under. Stardom is going to be great. Rossi's company is going to be great. And I know for a fact, me and Rob are going to give the best possible content we can. I agree completely. And it is worth noting, yes, there is going to be some talent out to Rossi's company. The chances of it being over half the roster is very, very, very slim. Um, you know, yes, there are people that are loyal to Rossi, and yes, those people will leave. However, I imagine that a great deal of the ta- of the roster will prefer the security of Bushi Road. That Bushi Road will be able to provide, at least initially. So, yeah, don't worry too much about <laughs> the Stardom shows being cancelled. Stardom aren't going to go under. Stardom aren't going to stop running shows. They certainly aren't going to stop running the Philly show. So please do not panic about that. Um, there is going to be a lot, of, and this is the last thing we'll say, there is going to be a lot of reports over the next couple of days as to who will be leaving, who will be staying. And obviously we'll see, I imagine, from a lot of the results as to who is going. If your favorite wrestler is eating a hell of a lot of losses and they don't usually, they might well be on the way out. It also might just be booking. Who knows? Um, But let's move on away from Rossi Ogawa, (laughs) away from, you know, what is inevitably going to be a difficult couple of months, um, especially until the end of March, because March is going to be absolute carnage because not only is ever cinderella but we're gonna have word on whose contracts are up so uh, yeah please feel free to speculate as to who will leave but obviously the chances are for legal reasons we aren't gonna know until the end of march um final thing i just wanted to talk about before we go into our show reviews for this week as i believe we've already been talking for over an hour 
um, and haven't actually got onto any of the shows yet. Um, Hannah Kimura's uh, tribute show, the memorial show on May 23rd at Corrigan Hall. The first competitors have been announced for that card. So this, again, is courtesy of Sky Wrestling. Sari, Mia Momono, Veni, uh, Hiroya Matsumoto, Ramkai Chow, Sutomi Usugi, Banana Senga, Mensori Oyaji, Kaori Yoniyama, Ryo Mizunami, Miyuki Takase, uh, Fuminori Abe, Dash Chisako, Chihiro Hashimoto, Mika Awata, Hanako Nakamori, and Super Delphin. So that show, as it has been for the last four years, or the last three years, this is the fourth one, um, will be taking place on May 23rd at Corrigan Hall. Um, there will obviously be a lot more information announced um, close to the time. Um, it has before aired on Fight TV. I am going to assume that it is going to air on Fight TV again. But again, it is a case of we will know when it's announced. Um, Matt, let's talk a little bit about some results then. So it seems ages ago since we actually reported on at Stardom, but we've got three shows that we need to talk about. We've got Stardom in Takorozawa 2024. From the 28th, we have got Stardom in Kyoto from the beautiful KBS Hall. That was on the 3rd of February. And then, of course, we have got the pay-per-view from uh, the Edian Arena in Osaka, the 13th anniversary Stardom Supreme Fight as well. So we'll start with the show in Takorazawa. Um, this was on the 28th of January from Takorazawa Sakura Town Hall A. It's a mouthful in Saitama. 404 people in attendance. Um, the show results are as follows. In a singles match, Saki Kashima defeated Waka Sukiyama with the Fujiwara armbar in uh, six minutes and five seconds. In a three-way match, Amisori defeated Sayaka Kurora and Mei Sakurai, uh, pinning Sayaka Kurora with the Lariat in five minutes and 53 seconds. A tag match, the Cosmic Angels team of Siori Anno and Yuna Mizumori defeated the Oedatai team of Starlight Kid and Ruaka. Um, Sayori, Sayori Anu pinning Ruaka with the Tom's Tandra in 7 minutes yes. and 26 <laughs> seconds um, uh, tag team action the stars team of Azuki and Yuzuki defeated the Queen's Quest team of Yutami Hayashista and Lady C Hazuki pinning Lady C with the Hazuki Stral in 9 minutes and 57 seconds in 6 woman tag action the stars team of Mayu Otani Saida and Hanan defeated the Oedatai team of Natsukatora Momo Watanabe and Rina and ladies and gentlemen I know it has been a difficult week but praise the lord Saida got a pin Pinfall, pinning Rena in seven minutes and 53 seconds. If you celebrate nothing on this podcast, celebrate <laughs> that. Um, uh, Six-woman tag main event. The team of Julia, Suzu Suzuki, and Mei Seira defeated the God's Eye team of Siori Mirai and Rani Yagami. Mei Seira... <laughs> beheading Rani Yagami with a drop kick in 10 minutes and 40 seconds. And then in your main event, six-woman tag match, the Queen's Quest team of Sayaka Matani, Azumi, and Miyu Amasaki defeated the E-Nexus V team of Mika Mina Shirakawa and Hanako, with Sayaka Matani debuting and submitting Hanako with her brand-new submission, the Phoenix Shine, in 13 minutes and 31 seconds. Matt Turner, what did you think of this card? I thought the show was really good. I was a big fan of the team of Hazuki and Yazuki. 
Um, I would like to see them obviously pending on, <laughs> I guess everything that's just pending on what happens in the next couple months. Uh, I would like to see Hazuki and Yuzuki team up quite a bit. Again, we don't know what's going on with Kagama. We did see her at the very end of the pay-per-view coming out uh, for the photo. So we don't know when she's coming back from injury, but if they're going to put Hazuki in some tag matches, you may as well put her with Yuzuki, Hazuki, Yuzuki. Uh, say that 10 times fast, mm-hmm. but I thought they worked very well together. Obviously I'm a huge fan of any team, when it comes to the Queen's Quest team and Utami and Lady C is kind of one of those makeshift Queen's Quest teams that kind of fly under the radar. Uh, and they're very well together. But I thought this was really good. It's always nice seeing some Utami and Hazuki violence, Mr. Rob Goodwin. Yeah, absolutely. Always. Um, uh, but I do just want to talk about, because it plays into um, the pay-per-view, the main event, that Phoenix shine. I love the fact that Saya is constantly evolving her her moveset and the fact that Micah had said in her press conference that she wanted to beat Saya with a move that she already had and then Saya in the meantime has debuted both the Phoenix Strike and the Phoenix Shine what did you think about this submission move because I know that you are very heavily submission orientated I'd love to know what you think of this I thought it was great the way she got into it, the way she transitioned it. It was almost what the catch wrestling, especially over uh, over in your neck of the woods, catch wrestling um, over the snake pit and Wigan would call the banana split. And that was kind of like I didn't know what the name of the move was until the graphic came up. And then, you know, she she did a great job in the promo. And I just put modified banana split. And I, I thought that was really good, considering the fact that Saya Kamatani is more known as an explosive wrestler, a high-flying wrestler. She did make mention that when she was coming back from her injury uh, back in the fall, that she was going to kind of shy away a little bit from the high-risk stuff, only pull it out when it needs to happen. So the fact that we have this Phoenix strike and the fact that we have this Phoenix shine, it's just making Saya Kamatani a more dangerous wrestler. And I don't know if you noticed this, Rob, and, and, and if I'm wrong here, do you say that I'm wrong? I've noticed since she's been back, her striking's gotten a lot better. It was good before, especially in that white belt run that she had. But it seems like the forms are more intense. It seems like she's piling up, like she's making up her strikes between the kicks, between the big boots, between the forms, and then that spin kick she does. So she's really evolving her style, and it's working for her. Sometimes if you're doing, if you're kind of taking away from the high flying, sometimes it takes away from, you know, you can't do that style forever. Eventually it's going to, you know, beat on you uh, after the years and years of just, you know, taking those bumps. And sometimes if you're trying to transition into more of a realistic style with the striking and with the submissions, it may not work or transition as well. But I think Saya Kamatani absolutely fits like a glove. Uh, long way about it, my friend. I absolutely love the submission, and it's just another uh, wrinkle in the game of one side Kamatani. Yeah, it's just it's another way in which she can beat you. And they actually did. I know that we're sort of jumping all over the place, but they actually did a great job of highlighting that during the video package in the pay per view. The different ways that Saya Kamatani can beat you. You know, the Phoenix Strike, the Phoenix Splash, the Phoenix Shine. All of these different moves, some of which she has beaten Micah with in prior matches. Um, May Sarah's drop kick, Matt. Is it the best drop kick? Not missile drop kick, but is it the best standing drop kick? that we have seen because there's one she hits here on Rani Yagami and then the one she hits Hazuki with on the pay-per-view. I'm amazed that these wrestlers get back up. As far as like standing dropkick goes, it's like Kurt Henning, Lance Storm-esque. Uh, Sayaka Matani is another, you know, I love me some Sayaka Matani. Sayaka Matani does a great dropkick, especially the way that she uses it in like certain psychology. But May Sarah does the standing dropkick and then she also does one 
when like the opponent's like on her knees, almost like kind of like if you're looking psychology wise of the shining wizard, but instead of hitting you with one knee, she just fully goes a hundred miles an hour with both feet to the side of your head. So, and I love the way she sets up a lot of these drop kicks. She does one where she does the Lamai strap cradle and you think that you're getting pinned, but all she's doing is using your momentum to pick you back up. She whips you off the rope. By the time you come off the other side, you're, you know, your head's in the third row. So, uh, yeah, I love the fact that she can make a simple move like a dropkick mean so much and build to a finish, which just goes to show you what a great wrestler that Ame Sarah is. So, uh, yeah, it's up there, my friend. It's up there as one of the best standing dropkicks I've seen in my, uh, my wrestling fandom. Um, before we move on to the show from KBS Hall, what else should people be checking out? on this card, Matt. I know that you loved some Hazuki and Utami violence. It's a callback to one of my favorite Red Bell matches. And yes, I will keep preaching about how good that match is. And yes, until every single Stardom fan has sorted it out. 2021, Kawasaki Super Wars. 3rd of November, 2021, Hazuki versus Utami for the Red Belt. Fantastic match. One of the best near falls in wrestling, guaranteed. Um, but yes, what else would you like to talk about? My favorite match on the show, I actually gave four stars, was match number five with the stars team of Mayu Utani, Saeeda, Hana getting the win over uh, the Oweta Tai team of Rina, Momo Watanabe, and Natsuko Tora. Uh, uh, Momo and Tora have been teaming up as the uh, XL team pretty much since uh, the fall of last year. Done a great job, and we saw that, um, you know, Rina has been really, really... It's good to see her. Obviously, we don't see her that much because of school commitments and whatnot, but I thought Rina was really, really good here as well. The interactions between Momo Watanabe and Mayu, uh, you know, I'll never get sick and tired of seeing them. Um, and obviously, you have the interactions between the two sisters of Han and, and Rina. And yes, my friend, it is nice to see Saeeda. She's been getting a few victories, my friend. I don't know if you noticed this. She's on a little bit of a winning streak, and it's nice to see that people are taking uh, our idea uh, on Twitter of Saeeda challenging Seth Rollins <laughs> for the World Heavyweight Championship. We've seen some couple graphics that come up that I've, I've literally made me chuckle that I saved. And I, I chatted over to Rob. I go, but we're not the only crazy ones over here, my friend. People are making graphics of a picture of Saeeda, a picture of Seth Rollins with the belt, and the WrestleMania 40 logo. So, yes, let's keep pushing for Saeeda. If anybody, if I see anybody with a Saeeda sign at WrestleMania, either the two days, I'll go and buy you a $40 WrestleMania t-shirt because that's how much I want to see it. So uh, there you go, folks. If you want yourself a free t-shirt, come find me or Rob or any of my insane friends and uh, show off your love for one side either. But other than that, I thought that, that was my favorite. This whole show was was was, uh, was really good. That was my favorite match of the show. I did like, and I text you right away, that I did like Sai Kamatani's post-match promo where she said, and now Micah did a great job with the Fujiwara armbar, a move that she really doesn't use that much, but it's basically she's using the Fujiwara armbar in the last few shows that she was wrestling Saya with because it was the injured arm that Saya injured uh, in that night one five-star Grand Prix match with Tam Nakano. So Micah, it was the story of Micah building up the Fujiwara armbar, and then Saya at the end of the show said, I debuted the Phoenix Strike, I just um, debuted the Phoenix Shine, and with the Phoenix Splash, I have the three Phoenix moves that could take me to the victory. And I believe the show came out a day or two before the pay-per-view. So I think I texted you and I said, if you don't get time, at least watch the main event because it's going to make the main event of the pay-per-view mean, so mu- mean so much. 
And that's what Stardom does a great job of. They reward fans for watching every show because they really do a good job, you know, deeping dive into the psychology, into the moveset, and of the little stories that go into their big matches. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of just the last two points I want to make on uh, this show. And it is worth noting that this show saw Saya Ida move to a 58.33 win percentage. That's right. 12 matches, 7 wins, and 5 losses. She is a positive win percentage, Matt. And just to give you some indication, that's a better win percentage than Mirai, Suri, Starlight Kid, Julia, and Sayaka Karora, obviously, um, who currently sits at 0, 11 matches, 11 losses, bless her, um, Azumi, and your Red Belt champion, Micah. Now, Matt, I do not want to jump the gun. I do not want, you know, you said, Rob, would you book stardom? I'm looking here at Saida with a win percentage of 58.33. I'm looking at Micah with a win percentage of 50. I feel like it writes itself, my friend. I feel like your next Red Belt challenger should be Saida. I mean, I'll do one better. Go ahead, finish. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'll do I'm, one better. Go ahead, sir. I'm just getting far too excited. You tell me, go. Okay. How many wins does does our beloved Tam Nakano have this year? You know the answer to this. One. She has one win from the pay-per-view. And how many wins does Saida have this year? Seven. Now, Rob, I'm not the smartest person. This high school that I went to really wasn't the best. However, I do have a degree in accounting. The last time I checked, seven is way more than one, Correct. So what I'm trying to say is, and I can't believe I'm admitting this on the podcast, is Saida six more times better than Tam Nakano? Apparently so, my man. Apparently so. I think it do, we do need to start that hashtag, hashtag justice for Saya, because this is nonsense. <laughs> Absolute nonsense. Um, in fact, if we're looking at the moment, and obviously Saida hasn't taken, you know, or eaten all of those pinfalls or delivered all of those pinfalls, but even so, there are not many people higher than Saya. So let's get that trending. Um, so moving on, we are looking at the show from the 3rd of February, which was Stardom in Kyoto in 2024. The beautiful KBS Hall, the beautiful stained glass window backdrop in Kyoto. An attendance of 369 people, which is the lowest KBS Hall attendance for Stardom since the 11th of February 2021. Um, and this is the one, two, three, four, five, sixth time they've run it since then. So, uh, yeah, not a great number, but not the world's most terrible number. Um, uh, even so, I'm sure Stardom would have preferred to have drawn a slightly bigger number than this, but we are where we are. Three-way match opens us up. May Sarah defeating Lady C and Sayaka Karora. Uh, May Sarah defeating Sayaka Karora with one of her cannon-like drop kicks in six <laughs> minutes and 24 seconds. Uh, tag team action. The Stars team of Hazuki and Saida defeat the God's Eye team of Saki, Kashima, and Amisori. Saida getting another win! Um, but Hazuki gets a pinfall. <laughs> Pinning Saki Kashima with the Hazuki Stral in 8 minutes and 17 seconds. Six-woman tag. The 
The God's Eye team of Siori Mirai and Rani Yagami defeated the Stars team of Mai Iwatani, Hanan and Yuzuki. Mirai submitting Yuzuki with the Scorpion Deathlock in 11 minutes and 10 seconds. We don't see Mirai use that all that much as a finisher, so I quite like to use him that. Um, Six-woman tag, Julia May Sakurai and Suzu Suzuki defeated the Oeditai team of Nats, Katora, Momo Watanabe and Ruwaka. Julia pinning Ruwaka with the backdrop suplex in 8 minutes and 41 seconds. Uh, tag team main uh, semi-main event, the Oeditai team of Starlight Kid and Rina defeated the Cosmic Angels team of Siorianu and Yuna Mizmori. Uh, Rina submitting Yuna with the Hydrangea in 11 minutes and 12 seconds. And then your main event, eight-woman tag team match, the Queen's Quest team of Utama Hayashista, Sayakamitani, Azumi, and Yuna Mizumori defeated the E-Nexus V team of Maika Hanako, Mina Shirakawa, and Wakasukiyama. You... Uh, I said Yuna Mizumori. I meant Miyu Amasaki. Don't know why I've put Yuna. Uh, Miyu Amasaki getting the pinfall over Waka in her hometown, which I thought was nice, with the Tensai in 18 minutes and four seconds. The main event was fantastic, Matt. What else should we be checking out on this card, though? Yeah, the main event was uh, my match of the show, uh, you know, clearly. Also, and I think the second, my second favorite match of the show is probably match number two with Suzuki and Saida picking up the win over the God's Eye team of Saki Kashima and Ami. Sorry, you did make mention about a minute ago that it was Suzuki that got the pinfall. But I strongly believe, as much as I love Suzuki, that Suzuki would have not been able to get the three count on Ami, sorry, um, excuse me, with uh, on Saki Kashima if it wasn't for Saida softening up Saki Kashman. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Uh, the rest of the show, though, was pretty solid. The uh, the match between the um, uh, my the Stars team versus the God's Eye team was really good. It really seems that these uh, two factions have been kind of paired against each other in multi-person tag matches over the past few shows and always delivers. And anytime we can see Mayu versus uh, Sherry, that's always excellent. I thought Hanan and Mirai, I thought their interactions together were really, really good. And we, I know a lot of us thought that coming out of the five-star, we might have seen uh, Hanan, Hanan, um, excuse me, Hanan get a challenge against Mirai's Wonder Star Championship. Obviously, that didn't happen, but I thought their interactions were really good. But if you're pressed for time and only can watch one match, uh, the main event of Queen's Quest versus the EXV uh, team is the way to go, my friend. And again, it, they did a great job of building up Micah and Sayakamatani in this match. But I thought, for my money, that the O2 line team of Azumi and Miyu Amasaki were the MVPs of the main event. It's funny, actually, because Miyu Amasaki was obviously given the pinfall here. You know, it is her hometown. And I thought she was one of the standouts in this match. And I thought she was the standout in her tag match in the pay-per-view as well. So it's really cool to see her continue to progress um i was a big fan of the god's eye and stars team they have been pairing them up quite a lot on these quote-unquote house shows and they've delivered every single time and the great thing about stars and for me they do it better than any other faction is that you are able to pair any member of this faction up whether it's Suzuki and Saya, whether it's Mayu and Hanan, whether it's Hanan and Sayurida, whether it's Mayu and Yuzuki or whether it's Suzuki and Yuzuki or whatever and they are able to deliver as a seamless unit. And I feel like that chemistry, you just, and it's not because all the other units don't have it. It's just because stars have it to such a degree. Their chemistry is unreal. And it, you can just chop and change with tag teams with that faction. And they just work every single time. And that's something that's really interesting. 
when you look at them in six-woman tag action, eight-woman tag, or even just a singular tag setting, they always deliver, and it's always seamless. They've got such good chemistry, and that's apparent in this six-woman tag and that tag between Hazuki and Sayurida and Saki and Amisori, um, which I did really enjoy. Hazuki and Amisori have great chemistry, just like beating the hell out of each other. And I feel like Amisori is someone that they are positioning this year to really to really head into that upper echelon of stardom's roster obviously being given the nod in that tournament for the red belt at the end of last year but i feel like she's been given a lot of momentum i know she lost here but she's not the one eating the pinfall she feels far stronger than she has done in prior in prior months really it really does feel like they are positioning her as mirai's equal as opposed to it being suri mirai and then Amisori. It does feel like she is now joining them um, on that level, which is great. Really, really good. Really happy with that. Let's move on then to the main event uh, in more ways than one. The pay-per-view from the 4th of February. We are going to completely avoid now talking about Rossi because I do feel like we need to talk about just how good this pay-per-view was and we do need to give the wrestlers their flowers. So uh, the 13th anniversary Stardom Supreme Fight 2024, 4th of February. The Edian Arena Osaka, the third time Stardom have run this venue, drew 1,377 people down from supreme fight last year which drew 1832 people however it is up from the first time they ran the venue osaka super wars when they drew 1222 people a couple of things um that osaka super wars show was still during covid restrictions so take that number with a pinch of salt that drop of 500 people or just under matt is a little bit of a concern. Now, what I wanted to ask you is, with these attendances aren't quite at the point, so the KBS Hall one, disregard that. Disregard that, because they've been, you know, they drew 403, I think, for the five-star Grand Prix last year. Uh, I think they drew 378 at the start of 2022. So, you know, it's been sort of around there. So we can disregard that number somewhat. But with this number... Do you think it's reflected in people being a little bit tentative about going back to stardom after sort of the glut of pay-per-views we got last year? Do you think there's still do you think that's still a factor? Or do you think it could be something else that's just contributed to this re you know, what stardom will I'm sure feel is a disappointing attendance? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, a little bit of that, but again, I mentioned at the start of the show that I've been uh, talking to our uh, friend over at Tom at Monthly Puro. Again, he's in the thick of things over in Japan. And I asked him, I said, well, how come the attendance in stardom is down? Is it to do with, you know, what you just mentioned? And he mentioned basically that the Japanese wrestling scene is oversaturated, oversaturated with Joshi promotions. You, you got to look, you have stardom, you have Tokyo Joshi Pro, you have Marvelous, you have... Uh, 
Oz Academy. You have Ice Ribbon. Um, there's a ton that Choco Pro. There's a ton. I'm sure I'm, there's a, a wave. There's a bunch of them that I'm missing. And the general feel was like, okay, Stardom charges most amount of money for their tickets, and rightfully so. You're getting the best product. But if you have a family of five people and you only have $100 to spend and a Stardom ticket is $75 per ticket – or I can go see a pro wrestling, I'm just using, for example, pro wrestling wave show, and they're charging $15 a ticket, where are you going to go? Like, they, a lot of people are just want to go to go see wrestling. They did make match stardom is head and shoulders. No disrespect to Tokyo Joshi Pro, who's had a phenomenal uh, year in the, in, uh, the last 12, 14 months. But clearly, stardom is the standard when it comes to professional wrestling. So that being said, and that, that was one thing I did bring up. He said a lot of the attendance has to do is there are just so many different options that are out there. But as far as quality goes, not just in the ring, but production as well, stardom is clearly the best. So you throw that in. I think another reason for the dip of attendance and because of 500 people is you were coming off Julia, finally, capped, finally getting the championship. You know, it's a story that they wanted to tell for two years. So it was you had a year and a half to really build that story and coming off a phenomenal match with Shuri at the end of Dream Kingdom in 2022. Not that I'm not saying that Micah is not going to do great as a champion. Obviously, her V1, which we'll get into, was an incredible match. But I just think there was a more interesting story with Julia being a bigger star at that time than Micah is now of Julia just drawing a little bit more tickets than Micah. So those are kind of my, you know, kind of you, you – put those three things together i think that's the reason why for the uh the reason for the dip in attendance interesting we'll talk a little bit more about that i'm sure over the next couple of weeks as we continue to look at how that's going to impact bushy roads moves um as they go on um so we had two matches on the pre-show that was free to air on youtube that you can still check out now i'll lump both these matches in together and then matt if you can run them down because i will be perfectly honest i didn't watch them because i completely forgot that they were happening <laughs> Um, we had a four-way match. May Zakurai defeating Hanako Ruaka and Rani Agami with her fantastic submission finisher, submitting Rani Agami with the escargot go in five minutes and nine seconds. And then the second match was a tag match. Wingori, uh, the team of Hanan and Sayuri, the defeating the God's Eye team of Amisori and Saki Kashima. Hanan um, pinning Saki Kashima with the 17 in five minutes and 53 Oh my god. Seconds. Sorry, hiccups. Um what was your opinion on these two matches, Matt, before we kick into the main card? The first match, again, don't get me wrong, all four ladies were uh worked worked very well together. It was mostly just like May Sakurai May my Sakurai doing her shtick. There was one point where she put all three other wrestlers in the Paradise Lock and did her thing. So it was more of a kind of ease everybody into it. Uh it was a fun match. I just had it the, the gentleman's three stars. However, the second match, the Wingor team of Hanan and Saida versus Amisori and Saki Kashman, that was really good. I figured that match would have been on the pay-per-view, and I didn't get to see the pre-show. Again, I got up at quarter after two, 20 after two, regardless, so it was going to be a little bit tricky for me to get up even a half an hour earlier. But I went back and watched this. I think it was Monday. Yeah, I think it was Monday after I got home from work. And I really enjoyed this. This was a match that you could have put on the pay-per-view, and I think it really would have delivered. So obviously, Hana and Saida, they're one of our favorite tag teams uh, in all of stardom. So uh, I thought this was really, really good. If you do have time partner, I would um, go back to the uh, – and it's it's free on YouTube. These two matches were free on the Stardom YouTube channel. But if you definitely have a few minutes, 
definitely check out the match with Hanan and Saida versus Amisori and Saki Kashima. I had it at uh, three and a half stars. And if you're keeping score at home, folks, three shows we reviewed, Saida, three for three. Honestly, I don't think I've been happier. Um, I feel <laughs> like maybe Stardom are listening and maybe we'll see a Saida white belt shot by the end of the year. Just look at that win record. I mean, it's happening, Matt. It is happening. Um, we start then the main card with the future of Stardom Championship on the line. The champion, Rina, defeating Yuzuki with the Pink Devil in nine minutes and eight seconds, making her fifth successful title defense, meaning that as it stands, uh, Rina's current reign is at 271 days. She sits in fourth place um, in terms of longest reign with the future belts, just 10 days shy of Starlight Kid in third place. The chances are that Rena will overtake Starlight Kid and close that gap on her sister, Hannon, who, of course, sits at 294 days. However, for all that talk about Rena, and rightly so, I think she's doing a really good job with that future of Stardom Belt, Yuzuki who, let's not forget, did not debut till late in 2023 when she got utterly brutalized by Momo Watanabe at New Blood. You you could not tell that she is early into her wrestling career here. And I mean that in the most positive way. I thought she looked tremendous. There was a rolling arrow attempt where genuinely I thought she was going to win the belt and it wouldn't have surprised me at all. I thought both women worked superbly with each other and I'd go so far as to say this is the best future of stardom championship match since um, definitely of Rena's reign. Definitely of Rena's reign. Maybe looking at Hannon's reign. I would say this is probably the best future championship defense, and this might be controversial, since Hannon defended against Tomoka Inaba back in 2022. You think this was better than um, Hannon when she dropped the belt to Ami Sori? Because that's where I would go. On par, I would say. Yeah, it definitely, definitely was a great match. Definitely was a really and a great way to. And I kind of miss how they. Uh, if you remember Hanan's reign, I think pretty much it's about every one of her matches were the start of a pay per view, and it was a great way. You have you know anywhere between five to seven minutes to really start the match out, uh, the show out hot, and they um, and no disrespect to the pre show matches, but you know what I mean on the main show. And they did here, they really did because this was really good. Yeah, you mentioned Yuzuki with that uh, rolling arrow. I thought they did a great job building that up. They did a great job building up the uh, the double knee bomb from Marina where she goes for it about three fourths through the match and she misses. And then Yuzuki, that's where she builds her comeback and builds to the rolling arrow. And she kicks out. Um, eventually Rena tries for the pink devil. She can't get it there. We see some new moves from Yuzuki. Um, you're going to debut a new move or a new finisher or, or a specialty hold. Why not do it on a pay-per-view where you're getting your first title shot? I thought that was great, great there. And then very much like the double knee bomb from Rena, she missed it the first time, gets it the second time. The second time she goes for the pink devil. Um, she, you know, you know, the psychology is she wore down Yuzuki enough to hit it. And uh, that's what did the trick for Rena. I'm glad this match got time. 
But sometimes these future stardom championship matches, they only get maybe five or six minutes, but this one went a shade over nine minutes. I really enjoyed it. I had it at uh, three and a half stars, and I thought it was a great way to start off this show, a great way to showcase Yuzuki in her first title match, and a great way for Arena to put more shine on the future of stardom championship. Completely agree. Gave it five. Uh, gave it five. What am I talking about? Yeah, Rob, he loved it. <laughs> Broke the scale, apparently. Um, no, I gave it three and a half as well. Just checking my ratings. Um, let's move on then. Let's move on to the tag team match that saw the Oedetai XL team of Nadsukatora and Momo Watanabe defeat the Queen's Quest team of Miyu Amasaki and Lady C. Momo Watanabe pinning Lady C with the B driver in six minutes minutes and seven seconds there was bits of this Matt, which was certainly you know a weather tie has got a weather tie however this team of tora and momo have really really grown on me just as two for lack of a better phrase badasses that do not care and will just hit people as hard as is humanly possible momo as well seems to be in this brand new vein of just not caring and just aiming to hurt people there was a kick she delivered to Miyu Hamasaki that just looked utterly horrendous to take especially as Miyu Hamasaki isn't the largest of people so it did feel like momo was just connecting with bone um and then you point to but on top of that, the way that Momo tosses Lady C around, considering Lady C is a tall, tall woman, not the easiest person to get into the B driver. I thought that Momo just looked brilliant. I genuinely thought she was fantastic. However, Miyu Amasaki was the glue of this match. I thought she was fantastic on offense. I thought she was brilliant as a babyface underdog in peril. I thought she played both parts absolutely phenomenally. And it's another sort of chink in that bedpost of good Miyu Amasaki performances in a row. We're starting to see the progress and uh, I'm really happy about that because Miyu is one for the future, definitely. I love how the fact, Rob, that you've never taken a bump in a professional wrestling ring, but you understand wrestling so much better than like 90% of the people that I've worked with on the indies. And I've been meaning to tell you that for a while, but you just really reiterate understanding professional wrestling when you talked about Miyu Amasaki really being the glue of this match and Momo and Tor being two badasses. I love the psychology of this match where, again, Oedo Tai has got Oedo Tai. They get the jump. They put a little bit of heat. I mean, it's a six-minute match, so you're not getting a long, you know, Rock and Roll Express versus Midnight Express or the Andersons heat here. So you get a little bit of heat, and then Miyu Amasaki gets tagged in. And Miyu Amasaki clearly the smallest person in this match. Miyu Amasaki is the one that has the least experience. But Momo and Toru do a great job. Bump feed, bump feed, bump feed. And she does this one spot where she, I forget which one they, I think she grabbed Momo by the head and she went for one of her DDTs and she kicked off Tora, which made her, you know, the, the, the psychology of the movement, she gets more momentum kicking off Tora for the DDT. And then she fires up and then Momo's like, okay, I've had enough of this. And then just beats poor Miyu Amasaki. Eventually Lady C gets tagged in. We see some great XL double team. And ultimately it's, yeah, it's Lady C that eats the B driver here. Uh, I thought it was a good match. Solid match. I had it at three and a half stars. I wish it would have gotten a minute or two longer, maybe to build up. Even if they would have just given 45 seconds or 50 more seconds of just the heat on the Lady C. Because then when she makes the tag to Miyu, it would have made, it would have mean that much more. We would have saw some more Lady C selling. We would have saw just Tora and Momo just absolutely just being badass dominant heels, which then in turn, that's the whole thing for the hot tag. You're heating up that person on the apron. So when Miyu's offense that she had, her offense was fine. 
it would have just meant more if there was maybe about a minute or so of heat on the Lady C. But all in all, a good match. I just wish it was uh, just a little bit longer, especially just, again, on the heat segment. But uh, very well put, my friend. Very well put. I, I, I enjoy how uh, you understand professional wrestling better than most. Thank you. I just say words, to be honest, and uh, <laughs> hope they sound okay. It's how I write, but um, the thing <laughs> the thing with this match is I can completely see where you're coming from, and especially with that closing segment where Momo just seemingly goes, do you know what, I've had enough of this, and hits the B-driver and wins. And ordinarily, that would annoy me a little bit, and I'd be like, oh, I wanted more heat on Lady C before we got that final pinfall. But there's such an air of I don't care from Momo at the moment that I think it played perfectly into her character. I'm done with this match now. Let's end it. I love that sort of just, I can end this whenever I want. It makes her feel dangerous. And I do like the fact that we are slowly but surely, because we talked about Bushy Road and, um, you know, how I have no feelings towards them. There have been booking missteps, and I feel like Momo Watanabe being slowly but surely relegated down the card is one of those booking missteps. You know, it's no... It's no... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's no secret that Momo was being dropped down because, you know, she didn't have, for lack of a better word, the look, um, which is a shame because Momo is phenomenal. And I feel like once she ended that white belt run, she sort of fell off and never really recovered. But slowly but surely, we seem to be rehabbing that character, turning into a just a badass heel that literally does not care. Plus, have you seen her play baseball? She's not just holding that bat for fun. She genuinely hits a baseball very, very hard. Um, I don't know if you've seen that, but genuinely go and look at it on her Instagram. She's very good at baseball. Um, Wasn't that her initial gimmick coming into the into stardom when it she was, was like 14 or 15 it wasn't was. that yeah <laughs> full, it circle, was. Full, full circle she just doesn't smile as much as she did back then yeah she hasn't got the cap on anymore which is a shame <laughs> maybe her and mayu should start a tag team oh boy but i mean, mean her and my sakurai <laughs> my god think of the things she'd catch in that hat um uh, Next, the tag Jesus team match Jesus. that I imagine made Matt the happiest of happy little campers. The Tam Nakano return match. She's been out of action since the 9th of October. She returns here teaming with Yuna Mizumori, defeating the E-Nexus V-team of Mina Shirakawa and Waka Tsukiyama. Tam pinning Waka, who's had an absolutely miserable run of three shows here, eating pinfalls in all three. Uh, Tam pinning her with the Tiger Suplex in 12 minutes and 43 seconds. There was a lot to like about this match. I loved Mina Shirakawa's just relentless targeting of Tam's leg, but also I love this new edge to Waka. You know, yes, we still get a little bit of a smile when she walks down to the ring. But in that ring, she is focused. Yes, she has lost three matches in a row, eating three pimples. I understand that. However, as a character, as a package, she is so much better than she was. She has progressed so much more as she was. We knew when they set up EXV that her and Hanako were going to be the ones eating the pinfalls. However, you look at the way that Wacker targets Tam's leg, even sort of you know, the hip attacks that she's become famed for. She's using them and attacking Tam's knee. Just that focus on a body part instantly makes her more of a credible threat. Yes, the story was very much Tam and Mina. 
as it should be. But I thought Wacker did really, really well here, right up until she got pinned with the Tiger Suplex. But overall, I thought this was a really good match, a really quite entertaining match, especially as, you know, it flew by considering it was 12 minutes, Matt. Yeah, um, Twilight Dream hit. I looked at the big clock in my uh, my living room where I watched these shows, and it was a little bit after three. And I was with a little bit of a heel in me. I'm like, oh, do I wake my wife up to let her know that Tam is back? And uh, <laughs> I thought about it for a good half a second, which is about two seconds too long that I should have thought about. Obviously, I did not. And then turned to find out that my wife didn't get home till one o'clock from the dance. So that was a, a very smart husband move on my half. But uh yeah, we kind of made mention a few weeks ago that maybe we knew that Tam, or not Tam, that Waka and Hanako would be eating a lot of the falls for EXV. But considering the fact it's a brand new faction, we might not be seeing them eating falls at least for another month or two. Yeah, that was thrown out of the window this weekend. That's for sure. It's like, nope, we're going right back to old hat. But um, I liked how it makes perfect sense that Tam was out with a knee injury. And what does Mina put her offense around targeting the knee? And she goes right after Tam's knee. Like, I don't care. You're in here with me. We have this feud. I was part of your faction a few years ago. I broke off and did my own thing. I don't like you. You don't like me. And they just basically just went at it. I wish there was a little bit more of Yuna Mizumori in this match. I understand you were building Tam back up. I get that. But um, especially Yuna and her tag matches with Sayori Anu, when they're highlighting Sayori as well as they should. At least Yuna's kind of coming in there doing a few things helping set uh, Sayori up with moves where it really wasn't that. They just kept the spotlight mostly on Tam, and I get I get that. But uh, there was some throwdowns between Tam and Mina, basically to let everybody know we are not done with this, not for a long shot. And it's interesting to see where they're going to go with this. Again, this is a match that I don't think needs to have a championship match on it. I mean, this, I think Tam versus Mina and any venue you know in japan or the world is going to draw a lot of eyes and it's going to be an absolute banger but considering the fact of everything that's going on you know uh with stardom and considering the fact that mina does have this iwgp championship match maybe that's where they go maybe it's mina if mina does pull the upset off and beat mayu is it do we do they do Mina and tam with the iwgp belt or they just let it go and have a one-on-one that i don't know but i'm all here for a partner yeah this was a really good match Good to see Tam back. Uh, good to see Waka being more aggressive on this side, and good seeing them. They're they're doing something, uh, you know, on the more main event side with Mina, which is uh, where we all think she should be. Uh, three and a half stars. Yeah, I don't think this needs a championship attached to it at all. We we've talked so much about. I feel like I've used this word loads, but rehabbing you know, images and reputations. Why not have that main event of Corican? Tam yes, versus Mina. It. With, it doesn't have to have a towel. You've just said the heat between it, and you know that these two would knock it out of the park because Mina Shirakawa is one of those that's improved beyond recognition. They, Those two would absolutely beat the living daylights out of each other because you know Tam would enjoy that. You know Tam loves a brutal knockdown drag-out brawl. So why not give it to them? Why not just give them... 20 minutes in Corrigan Hall and have them blow the house down. I think it would be incredible. Like, like Poi and Tam uh, back in 2022 where they main evented Corrigan Hall with no championship. Consider you had Sherry as the red belt champion, Sai as the white belt champion, and you could have put either of those. But like, no, we're putting Tam and Natsupoi on as the main event at Corrigan Hall. And I think it drew well over a thousand people. Good idea, partner. See, 
Bushi Road and Rossi Vice Wrestling, Rob Goodwin can book your promotion. <laughs> well, they've got back-to-back Hurricanes coming up next week, which currently we have no cards for. Um, so, yeah, well, um, that's interesting. Mina Shirakawa, of course, it was made official during this show that she is going to challenge Mayu Iwatani for the IWGP Women's Championship on a New Japan card, no less. Um, the first time that it's been um, defended on a New Japan show in Japan since Sakura Genesis last year when Mercedes Monet defended it against um, Azumi and Hazuki. Um, that is going to be at the new beginning in Sapporo show, February 23rd, uh, Mayu Iwatani versus Mina Shirakawa. We will, of course, bring you our reaction to that match. One thing I will say, Matt, is it's going to be absolutely brutal. You know that Mina is going to plow everything into Mayu Iwatani. And if there is anybody on this roster that is going to sell Mina's leg-based offense, with the possible exception of Sioriano, I don't think there is anyone better on this roster than Mayu Iwatani. No, I've said it before. Mayu Iwatani is this version of Ricky Steamboat as far as it comes to babyface selling and just being, you know, a pure, pure, likable, lovable underdog babyface. Even though she's a champion going into this match, she makes you believe because she does such a great job getting, you know, getting her butt kicked and making her opponent look better than they already do that in the middle of that match, you just feel so bad for her and you just forget that she's the champion or she's the icon, you know, of this company that you're just rooting for her to make her comeback. And just, that's just the genius of Mayu Watani. And you know that uh, she's going to make Mina look better than she already does. So I guess my one little negative thing about this, I just hope it gets more than like 10 minutes. Um, Obviously, we will talk about that in the upcoming week. Oh, that wait, that match is coming. Oh, the 23rd. For some reason, I thought it was the 11th. Yeah, we'll obviously have our preview of that show in the next few weeks. I'm all over the place, my man. So <laughs> they, have a, they have a new beginning show on the 11th, don't they? Didn't I see that somewhere? They, they have a few new new beginning shows. They're currently on the road to new beginning. Um, okay. Uh, so, <laughs> yes, yes, they have got, I mean, it's New Japan. I feel like they've got a show every single day. Um, if I just check now, yes, they have got one. You're thinking of New Japan, uh, begin, new beginning in Osaka, which has got the last Okada time. and Tanahashi. Yes. yes. Okay. Sorry. And uh, okay. also got Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. So uh, definitely worth checking Whoa. out. Um, I mean, I I love Mina. I've I've made no bones about how much I love Mina. That dance is going to look incredible on a bigger stage. It always looks amazing when it's on pay per view. That dance at All Star Grand Queendom, where she had the backlight to it, incredible. Um, obviously, Mayu Iwatani is my favorite wrestler of all time. I wouldn't be opposed to Mina getting the belt here. I don't think she will, and I'll be more than happy if Mayu retains, which I think is what will happen. But Mina Shirakawa, I think, will be a great IWGP Women's Champion. I don't think the belt would change hands, though, Matt. Do you? No, basically, I just realized because they they want to uh, promote that movie with her with the exactly. belt. Exactly. It's just a, it's just another prop. Can she do it without it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you already have it there. She's credible. What she's done with that belt, for considering the fact of how you know the little shine that New Japan's put on it, is nothing nothing short of amazing. Because it's Mayu, I think that's one of the main reasons why she'll retain. Is because uh, out of the press conferences and whatnot for that movie, they're going to want her to have that belt. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I think, comes out on the 23rd of May. 
I think it's definitely May. So um, it's a, yeah, it's a few days after my birthday. So I think it's yeah, the twenty first, twenty second, twenty third, something like that. So yeah. Yeah, she's definitely going to be holding on to it for a while, I would have thought. Um, We move on then to what was certainly my match of the show, the high-speed championship match, the uh, time-limit draw um, that saw champion Maysera make her fourth successful title defense, moving to 120 days, um, going to a time-limit draw with Hazuki in 15 minutes. Now, uh, the last time this belt went to a time-limit draw was Natsupoi versus Starlight Kid in Corrigan Hall, and that drew mixed reviews because it was wrestled very similarly to an ordinary title match, which many people, rightly so, I think, claim that it lost the essence of what made the high-speed belt high-speed. Matt Turner, I can't think of a more high-speed match than the match we saw here. Good gracious me. Mace Sarah gets that perfect sort of title defense, the one that you can really center your entire reign around. Hazuki proves that she can seamlessly flip from high speed to violence in the space of seconds, never mind in between matches. This match, the fact that they managed to keep this pace up for 15 minutes pretty much relentlessly with the exception of Maysera putting in that camel clutch at one point. 15 minutes and these two women went balls to the wall for I reckon 14 14 minutes of this 15 minute match and every time they stopped they just went at it again and seemed to pick up pace. Maysera, I honestly every time I see her I am so amazed at the pace with which she goes at. And then Hazuki, you forget that she is one of the best high-speed champions of its entire lineage. And then she comes here and she melds so beautifully that violence, that artistry, and that speed. You look at it and you think, how is she not higher up this card? She is one of those people that you can just parachute. She is this year, she is this generation's jungle Kiona. Because she is so good, you can parachute her into any match and she will have a phenomenal match. And don't get me wrong, nobody thought Hazuki was dethroning Maysera here. I just want to make that clear. And I'm actually really happy that they actually gave this a time limit draw because it does, it still doesn't do any damage to Maysera. It doesn't do any damage to Hazuki. And we got a fantastic match out of it. It's one of the very rare occasions where I'll go, yeah, time limit draw, absolutely fine with that. But Hazuki, again, parachuted into every match and she blows it out of the water, but they just don't want to pull the trigger on her. And it feels so much like it did with Jungle Kiona. And I'm so sad about that. I really hope that Hazuki gets that white belt reign because every singles match she is in, it's the match of the card. Like, without fail. You look at the five-star, it's the match that most people are looking forward to. That match with Suzu Suzuki for the briefcase, the match of the card, in my opinion. This match here, the match of the card. The match with Saya for the white belt, match of the card. She's proved again and again and again just how good she is. And the people react to her as well. It's not like people are sitting on their hands during this match. People love Hazuki. And I don't know if this is because she left and came back or if they genuinely just don't see 
putting a belt on her. But for me, if, you know, going back to that hypothetical, if Rob was booking stardom, Hazuki would be getting a long singles title run because not only are you getting match quality, but people love Hazuki. So the support would be there as well. I'm not necessarily saying red belt, but, you know, I don't think anyone would complain if Hazuki won the red belt, but certainly white at the very least. This match was phenomenal. I gave it four and three quarter stars easily for me, the match of this show. And these last four matches were all excellent, but this one, 15 minutes and I was out of breath. The very rare occasion Rob likes the match better than me. I had it four and a half stars, which is still a phenomenal rating. My second favorite match of the show, the main event, was my favorite match. But yeah, you made a lot of good points with uh, May and Hazuki. You know, you said it doesn't hurt May at all for a time limit draw. Not only does it not hurt her, it makes her in the championship belt more important. Which May has an uphill battle. She really does. I thought Stardom did a great job. We knew that uh, May was going to become the high-speed champion sooner rather than later. I think the booking was really smart to give Saki Kashima that little bit of a run. Because how do you follow the greatest of all time? How do you follow the greatest high-speed run in Izumi? Well, let's give it a Saki Kashima. Let her do kind of her comedy shtick. Let her have her couple runs with it. Um, she's doing something different with the belt. And then we're going to go back to proper high-speed matches. And this is as good as it gets, partner. Yeah, I mean, Hazuki, it's, she's, fun- she's fantastic. She's fantastic. We've been echoing her sentiments that they really need to pull the trigger and put a big singles belt on her. Uh, before I get to this match, just because you just mentioned, it doesn't have to be the red belt. I think it should be the the white belt, the wonder belt. Mm-hmm. If you remember in her press conference leading up to her phenomenal match with Saya Kamatani, she said the main reason why she came back to stardom was for that white belt because she came close so many times. Yeah. She had the shot against Io. She had a shot against Kyrie. She had the shot against Momo. She had the shot against Arissa. All fantastic matches. And every match, she just came so much closer. And the match with Saya last March, she came so, so close when she hit that brain buster. And she did the, you know, she pumped her fist in the air like, yes, I finally got it. Like, ah, oh. where it's like, you're so close with Hazuki. Again, nobody really thought that uh, Hazuki was going to win here because we're all hoping that she does get that run towards the Wonder of Stardom Championship. The thing in this match for me that really blew me away, you, you talked about the speed in the match. I'm telling you, folks, one of the hardest things as a professional wrestler is the up-down, the up-down. There's nothing in the gym. There's no miles you can run on the road that can prepare your body for taking a bump, getting up, doing another spot, making sure the spot looks good. Make sure you're you're in the right place at the right time. And then if you have to do a big move like Hazuki would, do a brain buster because now you have to not only make it look good, but be safe while you're in the move so you don't hurt your opponent. So you have to make sure that your wind is there, your oxygen is there, your stamina is there. You know, to quote uh, the late great uh, Carl Gotch, you know, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Rob, you play football slash soccer. I'm sure there's many times you're up and down that field that you're winded and you're just like, <laughs> oh my God, I can't catch a breath. And I still, I'm, I'm not, this isn't a deterrent to you. Because oh no, happened to I, me I'm in... laughing at the fact that you think that I've run up and down the field. Mm-hmm. Matt, I stand oh. there like a potato at harvest. <laughs> And another thing Carl Gotcha says, conditioning is your best hold. It really is. You know, you can be the best fighter in the world, the best football, soccer player in the world, whatever. If you're gassed four or five minutes in and you still got to go another five, six minutes, it doesn't matter how good you are. Once you're, you're, you're done, you're gassed. At the end of the day or the end of the night, what do we all do? We get tired. We put our eye, we close our eyes and we get a handful of hours of sleep. 
that's just our our body's natural progression. What I'm trying to get at is we're getting towards the end of this match. They do a double down. I think May hits the drop kick. Hazuki comes up, hits the bicycle kick. Something like that. I forget what it was. I got to go back and watch it. And you could see they do a double down. And you could see May take two deep breaths. And I thought one of two things. Either May starting to get tired because of this pace. Because she's never gone this fast, this long with somebody that can keep up with her. Not only somebody that can keep up with her, but she's getting rocked in the face with Hazuki Strike because it's Hazuki and it's Hazuki mode. But all of a sudden, the two of them do a double kip up. And you mentioned before, they kept up the pace. Rob, it got faster. They went to the outside, made to this drop kick from one part of the apron to the other where she flung her body through the ropes. And I'm like, how do you do that when like you should be out of breath? And it just got faster, faster. And then they did a great job of putting Hazuki over with her brutal submissions, locking in the cross face, and then May getting so close to the ropes, and then Hazuki rolling her through into the Ring of Saturn double armbar. Phenomenal job. We talk about Hazuki all the time, folks. There's something that, that something else big could happen in wrestling this week, and I'm going to say it right now. Stardom, the WWE does not have the part of my language. Balls to finish the story. Let's finish the story for Hazuki. 4-4, Philadelphia, Hazuki with the white belt. Do it, stardom. Finish the story. Give Hazuki the wonder of stardom championship and one of the most iconic buildings in the history of professional wrestling, the ECW arena. Do it, stardom. I would lose my mind if that happened. Um, stardom, if you, if you are listening, which hopefully you are, please, please book that. Just, just, just for me. Just for me and Matt. <laughs> Yeah, um, you're the only one. Yeah, yeah. You you can even book May Sack by doing the elbow three times in a row that show. But if you end it with a May with a Hazuki Wonder of Stardom Championship, I think Rab will forgive you. I think three times is excessive. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not go too far. Um, but yeah, fantastic match. Um, for me, easily, easily the best high speed tile match since Azumi and Kid. Um, from the Triangle Derby final roughly a year ago. Um, uh, to me, nothing has come close to touching this. In fact, I would actually say this for me is better than that kid and Azumi match. And that wow. was a great match. For me, it was just, honestly, Matt, it's the pace. And whereas sometimes with high speed, just by its very nature, you lose some of the believability because of the pace they are wrestling, because of the ingenuity of moves that they are creating. This just felt like a sprint and everything felt impactful. And that is the beauty that Hazuki brings to it. But May Sarah. Honestly, we talked about when she was teaming with Azumi um, back in January um, and how she was outpacing Azumi, which takes a lot. Here, I think she was genuinely quicker, and that's frightening. And now she's got that sort of defense that everyone can look to and go, this was the start of the reign. Every reign needs that one defense that everyone goes, yes, that person is here. And I feel like this was it for May Sarah. Absolutely phenomenal from both women. Yes, we've sang the praises of Hazuki and rightly so, but May Sarah was incredible in this. And I think before in her tile defenses, there was sort of elements of comedy and things like that in these shorter defenses. You know, obviously, Fuki can death, for example. But here, it was just wrestling and you are reminded jesus christ may sarah is a phenomenal wrestler she's 21 as well so we have got a lot of years fingers crossed touchwood of may sarah and that excites me greatly um 
Moving on to the third match from the top of the card, then this was a special 13th anniversary eight woman tag team match. Um, Mayu Utani, Nanai Takahashi, Utami Hayashida, and Azumi defeated the team of Suzu, Suzuki, Mirai, Suri, and Julia. Mayu Utani pinning Suzu, Suzuki with a moonsault in 20 minutes and 51 seconds. Matt Turner, your opinion on this match, please. We knew it was going to be good. And boy, howdy, this was great. Uh, this was fantastic. Uh, basically, I love how it started. The bell rang, and you just had a four-way slugfest to start. All eight competitors in the ring just throwing. And I was like, oh, okay, I think I thought that was really good. Um, they did a great job with Mariah and Mayu, uh, really offsetting, you know, it was basically they, uh, that was kind of the psychology early on in the match. Um, and then they did a really cool spot. They did a lot of awesome stuff with Mama, oh yeah, Mamai, Mayu and Nanai uh, as a team, uh, which you figured Utami and uh, Azumi, which they were great, don't get me wrong, but because they're part of Queen's Quest and we've seen them team uh, quite a bit over the last few years. But Mayu and Nanai as a team, I thought were excellent. We did get to see Julie and Sherry working together as the, uh, the ALK sisters. But for me, as far as teamwork goes, it was the money for me was Julian Suzu Suzuki. Uh, you know, it's depending on who lands where I can be speculated, you know, or we didn't speculate, but depending on who lands where I would love to see Julia and Suzu in a team, you know, somewhere down the line, hopefully for, you know, a few months, or maybe this is, you know, this is what we get towards Julia's run uh, before leaving for stardom. Cause I think they're great together as a team, which just goes to show you how great Suzu is. We know how great of a singles wrestler she is but as a tag wrestler with her and uh, may Sarah as part of crazy star and her teaming up with Julia, uh, really good stuff here. We did, we did get the, the dive spots, which I thought was good. We got a double tower of doom spot, which I thought was excellent. And then we really just get uh, Mayu and Suzu Suzuki the last two or three minutes having almost like a mini match. And Suzu Suzuki has come out on Tokyo Sports and saying that she wants to challenge Mayu for the IWGP Women's Championship. And if this is, we know that we know if we get that match, and fingers crossed we do, it's going to be good. But we got a little bit of a preview here. Ultimately, though, it's the freedom rocket launcher uh, dropkick to Suzu Suzuki and the top rope moonsault that gets Mayu Watani a win and another phenomenal, phenomenal match for Mayu. We're five weeks into this year, and I have Mayu at five matches at four and a half stars or better i had this at four and a half stars again we're only five weeks in the new year but mayu for me and all of wrestling is the clear front runner for wrestler of the year you liked it a bit more than me i gave it four but still a great match still thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable for all the reasons you've said the chemistry between nanai and uh, mayu was undeniable i thought the chemistry between azumi and nanai was really really good as well i wouldn't necessarily mind seeing those two team um i'm surprised suzu was the one to take the pinfall here um especially as after dream queendom she seems to have sort of cooled down a little bit so it'll be interesting to see how they look to heat her back up nevertheless a really 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 fun match julia and suri taking it to nanai takahashi and of course we had that nanai and suri exchange post match as well so that might be something that they are looking at doing later on which i'm sure nanai takahashi probably won't sell for and will probably win um but there we are it was a great match really enjoyable i gave it four stars we move on to our semi-main event then. Wonder of Stardom Championship on the line. Sioriano defeating the challenger Starlight Kid with the Japanese Ocean Suplex. 17 minutes and 42 seconds on the clock. Um, uh, Starlight Kid, Matt, 
really did feel the real deal here. But Seoriano, whether it's the new gear, the presence, the elasticity, the way she was able to sell the Black Tiger leg killer, just honestly, I've, I said earlier on about how there is no one on this roster better than Mayu at selling, with the exception of Seoriano. Look at the way she contorts her body to sell the sheer agony she is in from Starlight Kid's attack on her leg. It is brutal. A completely different match from Starlight Kid than for the last time she went for the white belt against Sayaka Matani. Far more aggressive, I felt, um, and far more grounded as well. There was a lot less high flying, but more power. She seemed to want to go toe-to-toe with Seorianu to the point where both women wrestled very, very similar matches to the point where they would to and fro the same moves. We saw so many exchanges where they would sort of take it in turns suplexing each other and things like that. You talked about Sayakamitani's striking improving. Starlight Kid is another one. Starlight Kid strikes here were really, really hard. She certainly developed that edge but I don't know what it is, man. Seoriano as champion just feels right. I was surprised when they put the white belt on her simply because it was a freelancer, but good grief, it, she just feels so elegant and just feels really, really special at this point in time, doesn't she? Yeah, between the new gear, the presence, and how awesome this match was. I liked how uh, they, you know, they... They wrestled around a little bit. They went to the outside. I liked how Starlight Kid took Sayori's foot and smashed it off the table that then led to the knee work. It wasn't the knee. It was the foot that led yeah. to the knee work, which I thought was what was good. Uh, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm not sure if you know this fact. I think this was the first time Starlight Kid hit the Asai Moonsault to the floor since she came back from injury. I don't remember her doing that at all. I think in these multi-person matches, she's just been doing the high cross body to the floor and maybe saving the Asai Moonsault for a bigger match. And I mean, this is arguably the biggest match of her career uh, that she's having here. Uh, I thought this was great. You know, you mentioned before how they were going back and forth with Starlight Kid with the cross leg Northern Light suplex. And they saw Anu would then come back with the perfect, perfect plex, as I call it. And they were kind of just trying to one up each other to see, you know, who was going to go first, like which move is better. It's just, they were going back and forth and the ring positioning on it was so great because that's a move when you're going back and forth with those two suplex holds, you can kind of maybe get entangled in the ropes, but they did a good job positioning themselves without looking phony, adding realism to see who was going to get the better of the, you know, the, the suplexes there. I thought that was great. We mentioned before on these lead-up shows that Starlight Kid was pinning everybody with a Tiger Suplex, and she tried very early on in the Tiger Suplex, or as she calls the Star Suplex, in the match. Uh, Sayori was able to counter. They were able to go back and forth a little bit. Eventually, Starlight Kid hits three of them, locomotion style, back-to-back-to-back, uh, to back to back, and I thought, wow, they're going to put the belt on Starlight Kid here because the way that it was built up and the believability of the, believability of the fall I thought was great and genius psychology but then uh, Soriano uh, kicks out at 2.999. And for the first time in the match, you see a very confident and heelish Starlight Kid get frustrated. You see her smacking the mat like, I was so close. And I've been so cocky leading up to these matches. Majority of these matches, it was Starlight Kid getting the win. 
kind of, you know, I think a lot of her is just pinning Yuna Mizumori and the fact that she was so smug and so confident she was going to get the win. And she was so confident going into this match and building up to those three suplexes that when Soriano kicked out, Starlight Kid got really frustrated and almost took her off her game plan, which I thought I really liked. And I just really was a big fan of uh, how at the end, Soriano was just blitzing Starlight Kid with the German suplex, with the Tiger suplex. Uh, she hits the uh, the Tom's Tondra. And then uh, when she the goes, she hits sorry? the Tom's Tondra. The what, sorry, Tom's Tondra. Tom's Tondra. <clears throat> Tom's Tondra. She hits the Tom's Tondra. <laughs> and I'm almost positive this wasn't supposed to go this way. But I thought it added so much to the match. So she kicks out of the Tom's Tondra. So I figured, okay, <laughs> there's only one thing left to do. She's got to hit the Japanese Ocean uh, Suplex because she debuted it when she won the belt on Mirai uh, back at the end of the year at Dream Queendom. That, this is the way to go, and this is how it's going to finish. Which And that's what happened. But if you go back and watch when she picks her up for the Suplex... Starlight Kid, again, she just got blissed with all these suplexes and the Tom's Tundra that her mask was kind of split, set to the side. Like, Starlight Kid took such an ass-kicking, or Sarianu gave such an ass-kicking, that it moved her mask almost <laughs> to the other side of her face. I thought it was a really cool visual. You see Starlight Kid is just, I'm exhausted. I wrestled this 17-minute match. I threw everything at Sayori that I could. And it's not enough. Not only is it not enough, but she's dropping me on my head. She's kicking me in the head. Like, I am done. You could just see that. And just with the mask turned the way it was, and just her facial expression as it's like, well, here I go. I'm going to get dumped on my head. I thought it adds so much to the match, and it made Sayori look even more like a badass. Yeah, yeah. this was great. We knew it was going to be great. I had it four and a half stars. Either this or the Hazuki versus May match was my second favorite match for me. But what's great is there's no wrong answer. You know, I've heard some, some people like the main event the best. A lot of people I talk to agree with you, partner. They like the high-speed championship match the best. But I think uh, everybody knows that Starlight Kid and Sayori Se Anu put on an absolute instant classic banger here for the wonder of starting championship. I mean, it's difficult to disagree with you, man. I mean, there's nothing not to love about this match they threw absolutely everything at each other they wrestled at such a ferocious pace throughout they tried to one-up each other and there is that palpable moment where starlight's body just gives out and you can tell anybody that follows starlight kid on social media knows she spends a lot of time working on her strength and i think that's become a lot more obvious in her physique and the way that she wrestles is that she's a lot stronger um, you know, she's always had the athleticism down, you know, the acai moonsault we saw again to the floor. And we do see those moments where she does break out that athleticism, but it is the strength that we've seen an improvement in. But Sayoriano was just better on this night. And that's what it felt like. It didn't feel like Sayoriano was the better wrestler. It felt like she was better on this night. She was able to power through on this night. And it was that blitz of moves that ultimately just drove the determination out of Starlight Kid. Starlight Kid will 100% be holding that belt in the next 18 months. I, I do not doubt that. Um, I know that stardom are high on Starlight Kid and with the potential of people leaving, whether Starlight Kid is one of them, I don't know. If Starlight Kid is someone that stays with stardom, um, I can certainly see them sort of strapping a rocket to Starlight Kid. And on a performance like that, you can't say it's undeserved. She is a phenomenal wrestler. She really is. And she's certainly got that aura as well. Sayoriano, again... Mm -hmm really really impressive obviously she's going to need another challenger presumably we are going to wait now until 
the Cinderella tournament. Matt, I know it is a ridiculous thing to predict, bearing in mind the first hour we spoke about how the company is <laughs> the landscape of the company is let's 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 not understate this is pretty much changed forever with this news. Um, it's if you were to choose your early favorite for the Cinderella tournament, who would it be? Here's what you have to think about, too, my friend. I know we said we're kind of done talking about it, but in order for me to get here, I have to go there. Sarianu is a freelancer that's holding your second biggest belt. She's literally has to be top priority. We Last thing you want is her going over to Rossi Vice Wrestling with that Wonder of Stardom championship. You know what I mean? So she's got to be a top priority. So there's a good chance she might be dropping that belt sooner than later. I mean, maybe because I'm betting with my heart here more than my head, but at the same time, I think you'll agree with me. I think it's got to be Hazuki. I think it's got to be Hazuki, and then you crown Hazuki with the Wonder of Stardom Championship. That's the way I'm thinking. I am thinking it depends on the fitness of Natsupoi. Obviously, she was on commentary, and we do need to talk about the fact that uh, Tekla made an appearance on commentary. Um, looked amazing, by the way. Looked like a proper badass. Um, did a bit of commentary, and then as she was leaving, Natsupoi was genuinely upset the fact that she was leaving. <laughs> it was really quite sweet. Um, but I think if Natsupoi is fit by the Cinderella, it wouldn't surprise me if Natsupoi wins and that's the match we go for, Natsupoi and Sioriano. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good shot, my man. Either or works for me, but uh, if I had my pick, I, you know, Hazuki. I don't need to, I mean, you know. I, I don't know if I, if I can wave the flag any higher for Hazuki, but that's a, that's a good pick, my man. I mean, don't get me wrong. If it's not Natsupoi, I'd love it to be Hazuki. I'd love it to be Hazuki anyway. But if I'm thinking with my booking head, you've got a big show coming up in April. You've got two big shows coming up if you count the Philly one as well. Maybe Mina Shirakawa? Yeah, especially the fact that if she's more than likely going to lose this match coming up, it's a good way to heat her back up. And you made mention about three or four weeks ago that Mina Shirakawa with a ticker tape falling, her in that dress. It's going to sell a lot of Polaroids. You put that on the cover of Weekly Pro Wrestling magazine, it's going to sell a lot of magazines. Um, and, you know, I know that they like to do the plaques as well, like the autograph plaques, um, yeah. which I do have a lot of, by the way, because uh, I'm a big fan. I don't know if you know that. But, uh, yeah, that's a good way as well. I mean, obviously, we're going to be doing our Cinderella bracket soon. So there might we might have to do two different ones. One that uh, we think will happen, and then one where we just absolutely drunk and just throw a dart at the board, because that's usually how consistent we are at the Cinderella tournaments. I mean, to be fair, we've given three different announcements. Well, four. No, three. Hazuki, Natsupoi, and Mina Shirakawa. I guarantee that Natsupoi won't be in the tournament, and Hazuki and Mina will go to a time limit draw in the first round. That is our luck. That is what will happen. Um, but yeah, fantastic title defense for Sioriano. Whoever she gets next, it's going to be an excellent match. I am, I'm so impressed with her and the way she sells her agility. You know, the pottering move, incredible. The how flexible she is and how she utilizes that not just to show off her own moves but show off the offense of others. Incredible. Really, really, really big fan. Um, we then move on to the World of Stardom Championship match, the generational rivalry, as Scotty Wrestling calls it. Um, Micah, the champion, defeating Saya Kamatani with a modified Michinoku driver two in 21 minutes and 36 seconds. I mentioned it earlier in the broadcast, but the the video package that they had for these two was 
excellent. Going through their history together, the belts that they'd competed for, just smash that, um, from the tag belts to the Future of Stardom Championship to the Wonder of Stardom Championship, going through their lineage I thought was great. And then going through Sayaka Matani's moveset. You know, she can beat you with the Phoenix Strike. She can beat you with the Phoenix Shine. And she has already beaten Micah with the Phoenix Splash as well to win the Cinderella back in 2021. So that was great in heating up this match even more. I think the fact that we've only had one pay-per-view between the Triangle Derby and um, Stardom Gate all the way through to Supreme Fight has really given this rivalry time to breathe. And those face-offs, those prelude tags have done wonders for this match. And these two, as we knew they wouldn't, did not disappoint that. No, this was absolutely fantastic. We knew this would be good. I like their uh, wonder match from May of 2022 a little bit better. And uh, we're actually going to be doing that for an alternate commentary um, that will be uh, next week. That'll be in your feed uh, Monday and Tuesday. So excited to call that one back with you. But regardless, I mean, I gave that match five stars. This one I had at four and three fourths. So you're splitting hairs here. This was really good. A great way for Micah to start off this World of Stardom Championship reign. Again, the video packages leading up were great. The little uh, interactions that these two had in the multi-person matches leading up to this match were just a great job to sell tickets and to sell pay-per-view buys and YouTube subscriptions and as well as Stardom World subscriptions. So really good stuff here. It was kind of a little bit of back and forth. Uh, Sai Kamatani really brought her strike game up. You know, Mike is one of the stronger wrestlers in all of stardom. So if she's going to go strike for strike or toe for toe with Micah, she really has to up her game, and she did here. But the match really turns around where Sayaka Matani, you know, I mentioned she has a very underrated dropkick. She goes to throw that dropkick, and uh, Micah just catches her and just plants her with a powerbomb. The timing, the speed, and the ring positioning on that were all three, three things that needed to line up perfectly for it to look as good as it did. And that just goes to show you how talented both these wrestlers are. I thought that was great. There was some really good back and forth stuff. I liked how Sai Kamatani used the Phoenix Strike to set up the Phoenix Shine. It's like you're using your big move to go into your submission move. I really, really like that because the psychology of the move is you're landing on your neck in your upper, uh, uh, your neck in your the upper part of your back, and then she kicks out, and then the Phoenix Shine. That's the submission really works. You know the neck and the back. So I thought that was really good. There's that point where she does go to the top rope. She tries for the Phoenix Splash. We thought maybe we were going to see it because that's what did Mike in. You mentioned before, partner, not only the Cinderella tournament, but it's what did her in in that uh, Wonder of Stardom Championship match back in May of 2022. So she teased it, was not able to hit it. So that's kind of maybe the underlying storyline is that she mentioned in the promo the week prior that she's going to chain these three, three moves together in order to defeat Micah for the World of Stardom Championship. That's how she was able to defeat Micah back in that match of 2022. She chained the uh, Star Crusher into the 450, into the Phoenix Splash. Now she has another kind of uh, holy trio of finishers. Was not able to pull that third one off. There was one really cool spot where Micah does go for the superplex. Sai Kamatani is not only able to get her way out, but Sai strikes her way out. She lands on the apron and so seamlessly and flawlessly, she literally just jumps from the apron to the top rope and it's a perfect Karana. I mean, Saya Kamatani, if anybody's had any questions, if she's ready for this World of Stardom Championship reign, I think she is. It's just Micah's time. And they did a great job that after Micah won the match, that Saya kind of like laughed, kind of like stared at the bell and then kind of like knuckled the bell. So it's like 
I don't think this one's over just yet. I don't think this one's over just yet. I think that's only a matter of time, again, depending on, you know, what happens over the next couple of months. If Saya does stay with Stardom, uh, very much like Starlight Kid, I would not be shocked to see her have a uh, World of Stardom championship run in the next 12 to 18 months. I also liked how Micah couldn't put uh, Saikamatani away. So she had to go to the running concussion bomb from her former tag partner in uh, Himika. I really enjoyed that. And then, yeah, she debuted almost like a new finisher. It looked like it was almost like a hammerlock uh, Mijinoku driver, which I don't think she's ever used before. So I like the fact that both these wrestlers had to empty their toolbox and go to different tools to try to win this match. But ultimately, it was a move we'd never seen before with Micah hitting the hammerlock Mijinoku driver to achieve V1. I do want to point out real quick, partner, before I tag in you, I like the fact that these four, these last four matches, the high-speed match, the eight-person tag match, the Wonder and World Championship match, they all had time to tell their stories. Sometimes stardom will put too much on a card, and they kind of rush through maybe the last two or three matches where you're like, I wish that one had a minute or two or three to tell their story, where these last four matches were given proper time. And again, I had three matches at four and a half stars and this match at four and three, four stars because they had time to tell their story and let the match breathe, which again uh, is just phenomenal booking from stardom uh, from this show. Uh, great show. Uh, again, my favorite match from the show was this one, my friend. Yeah, I gave it four and a half. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. You've pretty much hit on hit uh, every nail on the head there with your, uh, with your summation. I thought both women, were equally matched. And I think that's the story that we're going to be telling for a long time. And, you know, despite Micah's claims that she wanted to win with a move that she'd already established, the fact that she couldn't do that in the end, I think speaks volumes of the way that these two are going to be linked for many, many, many years to come, assuming one of them doesn't leave. Um, But... You know, the fact that Micah has to adapt her offense to finally put Sire away, the fact that Sire has had to cultivate this brand new offense, um, I think worked really, really well. These two are another one, another partnership that just work really, really well. Stardom have got something really, really, really good with Micah and Sire Gamatani. And just like I was saying with Sayoriano, Micah feels like a champion. You know, it's amazing what a little bit of um, confidence can do and Micah certainly feels like that the crowd support that she got going into dream queendom instantly just transformed the way that she carried herself in fact that since Himika retired I would say Micah has carried herself completely differently and actually here she carried herself exactly like a champion she felt like a champion she felt like the main event she felt like the biggest star in the company and rightly so it felt very much like when we put the belt on Utami you know, she just dethroned Mayu and you were like, hmm, Utami. Okay, she's a great wrestler, but is she a championship wrestler? Is she top of the bill? The first time she came out with the gear, the belt, the um, the rose, the music, you were like, Bag. yeah, you're just like, ah, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I can see it. And exactly the same with Micah. Like, you see it and it just fits. It goes so well. Um, and I'm excited because obviously we had Tam then come down. It looks like we are going to do Micah and Tam for that red belt. The red belt, of course, that Tam never actually lost. Um, do we do that straight away or do we hold back? Is this just a reminder as though to say, don't forget I'm still here, okay? I've come back. I might not be ready to come for that belt yet, 
but I am coming for you. Maybe we'll have another two title defences. Maybe it'll be Micah and Tam in the main event in April. I mean, we've already had Tam in the main event in the Yokohama Arena. True good money. Maybe it's Micah and Tam that go into the Yokohama Buntai and do it. Maybe it'll be Micah and Tam at, uh, at the ECW Arena map. Oh, man. Can you imagine Tam walking out with the red belt and Suzuki <laughs> walking out with the white belt? Oh, my goodness. It will, oh, man. Absolute out, scenes. Absolute out. scenes. The only thing that would, the only thing that may even top that is if me and you challenge Aphrodite for the goddess belts. That's about it. But anyway, me um, and you, yeah. you mean you, yeah. you would be doing that. I would stand I there. Mean, yeah, just chat me on. Tell me good jokes while while Utami is swarming me inside. Kamatani's blistering me with kicks. You could be like, man, I got a really good dad joke for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I went to go see a psychic and I knocked on the door and the psychic said, who is this? So I left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, great, great show. I do want to point out, and I know again, this has nothing to do with Rossi, the whole Rossi leaving. Did you notice the, uh, the jacket Rossi was wearing? I did the New York Yankees one. Yeah, the New York Yankees. So then, like, when he was released and they said he might be going to WWE, I was like, wait a minute. The WWE is often referred to as, you know, back in the territory days, the New York promotion. I was like, I wonder if that has anything to do with it. But, uh, no, man, regardless, great show, great main event. Everything was really good on the show, especially those last four matches. And I'm really glad that for the length of this podcast and obviously the stuff we had to talk about in the beginning that we're able to pretty much close the show on what is an absolute must-see show, especially with those four great matches. And uh, yeah, excited to see where they're going with the World of Stardom Championship. Obviously, Micah and Tam is a big match they're going to do somewhere down the road, whether that's, you know, they can do that at a cork and, you know, they want to get the numbers up there, let that run to the old TLD and then maybe run it back, uh, you know, either at the Cinderella final or you can... um run it at the uh the yokohama buntai regardless i'm all here for it my friend yeah absolutely completely agree a fantastic show and if this is the show that is rossi's swan song i'm glad it was an absolute belter because genuinely those last four matches are absolutely excellent and you mentioned actually matt that you know they were all given time they all offered something different as well you know there was no same match there um, which I really enjoyed. I really like the diversity of those top four matches. Obviously, post-match, a couple of things to talk about. Obviously, we have the photo, which we've discussed. Um, but also, Natsuka Tora made it clear that she was coming after the New Japan Strong Women's Championship. So that could be a match on the horizon between Julia and Tora, which would be a very hard-hitting affair, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And again, with Julia only going to be with the company a few months longer, she's got a couple of title matches that may be in the chamber. So it's going to be interesting to see if that's where they go. If she drops the belt to Natsuka Tora, obviously they want to do something with Tora. They have. They've been heating her up, but she's one of those that are one that they can kind of build up just to put the main people over. And that's fine. That's a great spot to have. But uh, it'd be nice to see maybe Tora with a uh, New Japan Strong Championship run. It'd be something a little bit different and something cool. And the fact that she's the leader of a Oedo tie, it'd put a little bit more shine on that faction. So uh, regardless, the match, uh, if and when they pull the trigger, we know it's going to be hard hitting. Um, let's talk a little bit then before we go on to our Kyrie and Ear watch, which I know Matt is primed and ready for. Um 
I just want to talk briefly about the cards that are coming up. So there was a little bit of concern uh, online at the fact that it was, as we record, Wednesday, and Stardom had shows on Sunday, Monday, and back-to-back Corricans next week, and nothing had been announced. So a little bit of a... uh, a little bit of a panic there, but the cards have been announced. Uh, announced? Announced. Um, Stardom are in Fuji on the 11th of February and Toyohashi on the 12th. The cards are as follows. So the show from the 11th, uh, we'll see Sayurida and the Yuzuki taking on Mei Sakurai and Sayaki Kurora. Um, Mirai versus Momo Watanabe versus Lady C in a three-way. Micah and Wakasuki Armor of EXV taking on Cosmic Angel Tam Nakano and Yuna Mizumori so it does look like we are going to be steadily building to that match especially if Tam gets the victory over Waka um, uh, 8 woman tag Queen's Quest Utami Hayashista Saki Ka- uh, Saya Kamatani Azumi and Miyawa Masaki taking on Siori Saki Kashima Amisori and Rani Yagami um, the stars team of Mai Wibutani Hazuki and Hanan taking on the EXV team of Mina Shirakawa Hanako and a returning Xena Xena will be back in action and then in your main event, Julia, Suzu, Suzuki, and Maysera taking on Tora, Starlight Kid, and Ruwaka. I fully expect Tora to pin someone in that match and set up that title match with Julia, Matt. Yeah, good call, my friend. Good call. And also good call on poor Waka eating a fall so we can properly build to uh, to Micah and Tam. Also very much looking forward to the uh, eight-person tag match involving uh, my favorite faction of Queen's Quest. But it's also nice to see, yeah, Xena coming back as well. So interesting stuff. I'm glad yeah, there was a little bit of panic early this morning when uh, people were messaging, hey, uh, there's no cards announced for these shows. I'm like, folks, relax. Pro wrestling. It's, it's, I'm sure they had uh, other things to deal with these past two days. So obviously these cards came together and they both look like some really, really good cards, but uh, yeah, really looking forward to all the offerings that stardom will have these next few shows and back to back Corkins too. That's interesting because it's going to be interesting to see next week, how they draw in Cork and post Rossi. I would love just before I go through the card on the 12th, I would love the Corkins to be used as a two night tournament to crown the new number one contender for the red belt. I just think that'd be really cool. It just it get bums in seats. I think it gives Corican a little bit of a gimmick, or you know, it gives a, people a reason to go. If you're not going to put a title match on those Corican cards, which they might do, they might put an artist of Stardom Championship defense on there, maybe. Um, but I'd like to see a tournament. I know they won't do because they've already got Tam in mind and they've already got the Cinderella to crown the White Belt Challenger, but. It'd be quite cool to challenge uh, to sort of have something like that, especially as you've got two nights at Corrigan. Um, the show from the 12th, then, um, singles match Suzu Suzuki versus Yuzuki, um, Saki Kashima versus Suzuki versus Lady C in a three way, uh, a weather tie Starlight Kid and Ruwaka versus Micah and Wakasuki Armor of EXV. Um, Siori Mirai, Amisori, and Rani Agami of God's Eye taking on Queen's Quest, Utami, Sayakamatani, Azumi, and Miyo Amasaki. Um, lost my place. Tag team match Cosmic Angels, Sam Nakano, and Yuna Mizumori taking on Meisera and Sayaka Kurora. Um, Julia and Mei Sakurai versus Natsukatora and Momo Watanabe. They do seem to be pairing Julia and Natsukatora up, don't they? Does look like that's where we're going. And then in your main event, Mayu Watani, Hanan, and Sayurida taking on Mina Shirakawa, Zena, 
and Hanako of EXV. Uh, no Sayoriano on these cards, um, which is understandable. She is a freelancer, um, but it does obviously mean that we're not going to have any preludes to who might be the next white belt challenger if they were going to put a challenger in before the Cinderella. However, Tam is going to be in with Micah, and it looks like Julia and Tora are going to be paired up, and of course, Mayu Iwatani and Mina Shirakawa, Matt. Most importantly, Sai Eden, the main event, brother. I mean, let's keep the momentum going. However, I'm kind of looking with the return of Zena and Mina Shirakawa in that match. Even though you have Hanako in there to kind of eat the fall, you want to heat Mina up. And unfortunately, Rob, I got to be a realist. I think that Mina is going to break the streak of Saya Ida here and get the the pinfall over Saya. Regardless, both these shows look really, really good. And uh, excited to watch them and uh, review them with your partner next week. I cannot believe you've just ruined this podcast by saying this. <laughs> what are you doing? How dare you, Matt? How dare you? They're not back. To, they're not back to back. I'm sorry. I've just realized. I've just looked at the schedule. The Corrigans. You've got one on Valentine's Day, the 14th, and one on the Saturday, which is the 17th. So weirdly, you've got two Corrigans for the, two days apart. <laughs> That's weird. Very, very strange. Um, but that one on the Saturday, I'm sure they will be looking to uh, to draw um, quite heavily with it being a weekend. Um, in terms of the schedule, then, um, we have got Fuji on the 11th. We've got Toyohashi in, on the 12th. Those two Korokan shows, the 14th and the 17th, respectively. Obviously, next week, we will not be able to cover those Korokans because we record on a Wednesday, so they will have to be the next week so we'll cover those two shows fuji and toyahashi the return of xena and we'll be seeing obviously tam and micah and mina and um mayu as well hopefully the show from the 12th will be up in time um if you are listening people at stardom it'd be great if you could get that up on time but obviously i know how much effort it is so please don't worry if you can't um matt before we sign off before we say goodbye to the good people what's coming up on eo and Kyrie watch my man, we're on the road to WrestleMania. We go to SmackDown, and there's a backstage segment where you have EO, Kyrie, and Oscar basically laughing at Bailey uh, behind Bailey's back and saying, EO says, Tonight, Bailey is done. EO, Kyrie, and Oscar leave the room, and they do not know that Bailey was there the whole entire time and heard EO's dastardly words. Bailey comes out to choose wh- who she would challenge. At WrestleMania, she starts cutting a promo on Rhea Ripley because that was the plan the whole entire time was for her to win the Rumble and then go over to Raw to defeat Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. As she's cutting the promo, Io, Kyrie, and Oscar, very much like Mean Girls, are laughing behind Bailey's back. Bailey does such a great job on this promo because you can see that the slow turn of her back into a baby face that she would turn around and like kind of catch them laughing and then they would stop laughing. You'd be like, no, we need to stop laughing. And after the second or third time, Bailey has just had enough. So, are you guys done? Are you guys done? And then she says, I understand in Japanese, which EO sells like it's the biggest shock in the world. And then Bailey reveals that she knows Japanese, that she's picked it up and she's heard all the bad things that they said behind her back. Bailey goes, uh, or excuse me, Bailey gets in EO's face and says, Why would you do this? My whole plan since the summer of 2022 was to make damage control the best that they, the best that they can be. EO then signals for Kyrie and Asuka to attack Bailey. They jump Bailey. Bailey goes underneath the ring, gets a pipe. She takes out Kyrie and Asuka. And there's this really great picture that uh, they're probably going to show time and time again leading up to WrestleMania as EO goes to hit Bailey with the belt. 
Bailey Joza hit Io with the pipe, but they both stop and they just kind of freeze. And there's that moment where the crowd pops. Bailey gets out of excuse me, Io gets out of Dodge. Bailey grabs the microphone and says, I will see you at WrestleMania. So, folks, as we kind of figured, we're getting Bailey and Io at WrestleMania, Philly Mania. For myself and Rob Goodwin will be. Now, Rob, I am the biggest EO Shirai fan in the world. I think that uh, not only is she my favorite women's wrestler of all time, I think, you know, her and Mayu are the two greatest female wrestlers of all time. EO is easily my favorite member on this roster, but I think this is the perfect story to crown Bailey as the uh, women's champion. So I don't, as great as this match is going to be, as much as I'd like to see EO win, I think the proper booking would be for Bailey to get the victory here. Um, we go to Monday Night Raw as we have the tag title rematch of Chance and Carter rematching against the new champions of Kyrie and Asuka, the Kabuki Warriors. And I don't know what it is with Kyrie and Asuka on Monday Night Raw. Last week, just their chemistry with Natty and Tegan Knox just didn't gel. These two wrestled, these two teams wrestled the week before at SmackDown. It was an absolute banger, and the crowd was really into it. Where this match was really good, but there was like just some miscommunications with Kyrie. And with uh, Chance, it just it, it, it kind of felt like a step off. They eventually got back to what they needed to go. Eventually, we did see Oscar uh, hit the huge head kick to Chance, and then the uh, Kabuki Warriors were able to retain with the assisted insane elbow. Again, it was a good match. I think it was just the combination. The crowd just really didn't care. And considering the fact of how hot they were for their championship match back on SmackDown two weeks prior, and literally Kyrie hits the insane elbow, and you can hear a pin drop. And you're just like, you kind of feel bad, but uh, good match. I wish the crowd was into it a little bit more, but the main thing is that uh, we have a clear picture of what we're, we're, where we're going for WrestleMania with Bailey versus EO. And I can't wait for that match. Cause I think it's going to be EO's uh, one of, if not her best matches since leaving Sardom and coming to the WWE, obviously it's going to be the biggest match in, in her career. Uh, you know, obviously her, her stuff in stardom, she's wrestling in front of 12, 1300 people at Cork and hall. She's in a main event style match, defending the WWE women's championship in front of probably going to be over 70,000 people. So I'm just glad that she's getting this moment and I'm glad that we're going to be there for a partner. Worth noting as well. It's both Bailey and Io, Io Sky as she is now both of their first singles matches at WrestleMania. I found that baffling that Bailey has not already had a singles match at WrestleMania, but I'm excited. Should it be the main event of night one? Absolutely, because I feel like that's what the Royal Rumble should be. It's not going to be, though, because I imagine Cody and Seth is going to be. But the fact that we are going to be seeing a stardom show, we're going to see Io Shirai in action. The chances are we're going to see Kairi Hojo in action as well, defending those tag titles if they can keep them to WrestleMania. Very, very exciting. Very exciting. And uh, yeah, that just about brings us to the end of the podcast. I know that obviously we started this podcast with quite a lot of negative news. Um, the chances are that things could get worse before they get better that's that's the way of things however it's important to focus on the positives okay easy to say oh stardom we're gonna go out of business because all the wrestlers are gonna leave no no it's not and also it gives another place for these phenomenal joshi wrestlers to go and to perform at a high level it gives a chance for you know partnerships to be struck for something different to be done so yes it is a very unknown future but 
it's worth noting that we are we're on the precipice of something quite exciting. Rossi is going to be massively missed in stardom. Massively missed. The man is stardom. And especially the wrestlers are going to miss his demeanour, his influence, his presence. But, hopefully, I'm trying to find positives in it. Trying to end it positively. Matt, help me out. Here, I got it. You want me to do it? Yes, please. So if you take the rosters, say the rosters are going to be split, right? I don't think there's going to be more than 10 wrestlers that go to the Rossi's new promotion. Let's just say the rosters are going to be split. You need to fill in these cards. So you will see certain freelancers go to other, you know, you may, we can finally see the, uh, probably the Anabe sisters in one of these companies more. Sorry, in one of these companies more. Unagi, I know Unagi has a close relationship with Rossi. Very good chance that we're going to see Unagi on these uh, bigger platforms on Rossi's promotion. Um, I forget the name. They're a tag team. I forget who the two of them are. I've seen them a handful of times, but they're called Red Energy. I would love to see them in either of these two companies. What I'm going to say is both of these companies are going to push each other to be better and bring in the best talent, not only from Japan, but from overseas as well. So I know a lot of people are like, Matt, can you please make this up? Put the, turn this into a positive. And that's my big positive is that the new stardom promotion is going to push Rossi and Rossi is going to push the new stardom promotion to be the absolute best. And what they're going to have to do is fill in the roster. They're both going to have phenomenal talent. I don't think anybody would disagree with me that current stardom has the best roster in all of professional wrestling. If we were to split it right down the middle, let's just say we were to have a draft and now new stardom has to bring in some talent. Rossi has to bring in some talent to fill in the cards. Again, you could bring in some top talent from America. You can bring top talent from from uh, from Mexico, from England, wherever. But the fact that you can use some of these freelancers, you know, bring in Shirt Hero Hashimoto. What's Mako Satomaro been doing? Bring her in. Why not? What the heck? Why not to either of these companies? You know, how about Takumi Roja? We have not seen her since Dream Queendom 2021. She was phenomenal in the five-star in 2021. The fact that we may be able to see some of these wrestlers that we were like, man, I would, again, I would love to see the Nabe sisters uh, in, in stardom. You know, where would you put them? Now we have room for them because we have new, two companies that are going to be great. If you like what stardom has been doing the past two or three years, that's what you're pretty much going to get in new stardom. If you like what stardom was in 2018, 2019, and 2020, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a 100% Rossi Ogawa booked company with people that absolutely love him and that are absolutely loyal to him. So, folks, there's your positivity. Do I wish this happened? No, absolutely not. I wish Rossi would have sat down and said, look, me and X amount of people might leave if you don't let me book the company the way that it needs booking. And let me book and sit, let me give me 100% control like you promised me. In six months, this company's not turned around. I will leave no questions asked. I really wish that's the way that it went. Unfortunately, folks, that's not the reality we're, we're in. Let's focus on the positives. We have two great Joshi companies. Again, Rob and I will be covering both these companies. And uh, I, they're going to do a great job filling in the rest of the roster. And if this was... How'd I do? Was that, was that, was that okay? Perfect, brother. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And just to finish that off, if, if this pushes Boosie Road to spend more money on stardom, then, you know, we're all winners. <laughs> We really are. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to an end of this episode of the podcast. Thank you with hanging, just hanging in with us for this extremely long episode. I've just realized that we've gone two and three quarter hours, so I apologize for that. But thank you to everyone. Hopefully my microphone didn't randomly switch to the microphone inside my webcam like it did last time. Fingers crossed it didn't. Um, uh, but yeah, thank you for all of your support as always. 
always uh subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts don't forget you can subscribe to our patreon patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast for loads and loads and loads of bonus content the website www.thestardomcast.com for all sorts of statistics and things to do with the history of stardom as well as our back catalogue of podcast episodes patreon and non-patreon um you can find us on social media um at the stardom cast you can find me at real rob goodwin i'm hoping to have some very very good news in regards to my latest stardom book hopefully it should be out in time for philadelphia fingers crossed yes i am on yes I am on the last couple of matches now. I believe I've got five more matches to review, and then it is done. Um, it is in the proof part of it is in the proofreading stage. So fingers crossed, we are on the home straight with that. Thank you so much to everyone for your support, um, Matt. Sounds off, mate. Brother, you know there's no not gonna. I want to put any pressure on you getting that book done, but you know there's nobody that's gonna hype that book more than me. So uh, <laughs> awesome, man. I'm super excited for it. I I know you said a couple months ago, you sent me a preview for it and I literally stopped reading after three pages. I'm like, Rob, stop. I want to pay for this. And you deserve every single one of my dollars for this. So super excited for it. Anywho, folks, uh, questions, comments, anything that you need from me, Matt Turner, OF on the Instagram and or the Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me. If you want to shoot me an email, perfectly fine. Uh, the stardomcast 22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email. Folks, that's going to wrap it up for uh, what was a long but yet informative episode. I hope that everybody enjoyed it. And I hope everybody is uh, putting in the positivity that myself and Rob will be putting in over these next few months. Because that's the best way to uh, think about this is in a positive way. Um, Like I always say, folks, it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all together. Everybody's different. Everybody's special. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.